For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcast. It's all about dignity. That's a word that was coming to my head there this morning, reading some of the stories, uh, whether it's cash-strapped families in Cork using their back-to-school clothing and footwear allowance to pay for food and fuel. Uh, that's according to Katrina Toomey, who will know, uh, because she's dealing with it every single day day after day, week after week, year after week, year after year at uh, Cork Penny Dinner. She says there's been, this is the front of the Echo this morning, they're inundated with messages from parents desperate to see their children equipped with supplies before they return to school, having spent the allowance on increased living costs. A lot of families out there, boy, I can tell you one thing, they're not talking about thinking about two weeks in the sun or jetting off to Lanzarote or anything like that. They're just trying to keep the show on the road. That's the front page of making the uh, the echo today. And of course, then um, AIB's behaviour towards customers. Now, the Taoiseach and Pascal O'Donoghue claim to have known absolutely nothing about this. Uh, the broadsheets this morning quote Pascal O'Donoghue is saying that uh, he was completely blindsided by uh, AIB's announcement on on Tuesday to uh, terminate cash services and pull out ATMs at 70 branches. A lot of the time, this is the start of more things to come. And I was telling you during the week, and the papers also are, you know, chatting about this yesterday, a long flood of texts on it. Michal Martin's in Singapore at the moment. I know, don't ask. He says, I think they need to consider the people who've been loyal and strong customers of the banks down through the years. That's a quote from the Star this morning. Particularly, Michal Martin says, more senior generations. Um, and he says, economically, it won't be beneficial for many towns. Now, uh, he, when he comes back, wants to meet all of the senior management, or at least those that really make the decisions with the AIB. He's calling them in. Bear in mind now that we're majority shareholders in the AIB. So that'll be an interesting conversation. Uh, well, I don't know, will he ask them or will he tell them? We'd probably prefer if he would tell them. The upside to it is I was uh, chatting with a member of staff at Permanent TSB yesterday and they were telling me that they're inundated now with the Russia people moving bank accounts from AIB uh, to Permanent TSB. So that's kind of interesting. People just trying to get ahead uh, of the posse and, you know, um, move bank accounts and change banks. Uh, and a lot of them, I suppose, would have been AIB customers for a long, long time. So I wonder if AIB are seeing customers uh, leaving in their droves. So the mortgage misery, and uh, it's awful stuff on a Friday morning, isn't it? God, would you buy, why would you buy a newspaper? Mortgage misery, more to come. The first ECB rise in 11 years. It's a whopper, and they're saying also there'll be another one uh, this coming autumn. And the front of the Irish Times, if you thought it was insane with regards to hotels at the moment, just hang in there. There's another bus coming, because the Irish Times this morning says the government has issued a fresh urgent appeal for hotels and guest houses to house Ukrainian refugees and they're upping the payments to 135 euro a night for single adults um, and we have 40,000 in the country from Ukraine uh, with more coming this week uh, I think the total this week will be about 1,400 in fact I can correct that 1,400 a week for the foreseeable future. And that's now why the government are issuing an urgent appeal for more hotels and more guest houses to house Ukrainian refugees. Can they not come up with a better plan than hotels and guest houses? Um, so there's even more of that to come. Soon there won't be a single hotel nor a guest house at the rate of 1,400 a week. And don't even start me. I understand the need to house people who are fleeing war. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, you know, through COVID... <laughs> You know, they're saying, oh, wait for it now, the autumn, you're going to have COVID back again, and on top of it, a very bad flu bug. 
I know, I get that. But do you remember the people, and God knows it dealt with many of the stories on the air over two years or so, people who wouldn't wear masks, didn't want to wear masks, and didn't have to wear masks because they had a medical condition. Well, we got the first Workplace Relations Commission hearing. In fact, the order has been handed down by the WRC, where a clinic must pay €3,000 compensation to a patient with autism concerning his discrimination claim relating to the non-wearing of a mask during COVID under the Equal Status Act that he shouldn't have to. So that's the first payout over not having to wear a mask and being discriminated because of it. And it's interesting, payouts make the independent as well this morning because the amount of award levels in, say, personal injury or medical negligence continues to fall. Medical negligence cases and the amount of money paid out has fallen by about 12%. That's the award paid out. Uh, And in in fact, which is some more news to that, if medical and and indeed um, personal injury awards fall, that means that fees to barristers and solicitors also fall by 10% in the same time frame. So personal injury awards, legal fees, all down during the past decade, not just the last year or two, but in the past 10 years. The big changes now to amount of money paid out in court. Um, also, you might be interested here that there's more speed camera vans on the way. They've just bought another 61, apparently, or at least they've got 61 new zones. It's amazing the things they can find money for, isn't it? And it's amazing how they can gather fines from people. This country is very efficient at finding people. More than 2 million speeding tickets have been issued by Gardaí since the introduction of speed cameras and vans, apparently. And there's more to come, even here on Leaside. So if you total up the amount of speed cameras that we have in Ireland, it comes to 1,373 of them. Uh, I get that speed kills. I understand that. But they're very efficient in the in the fee department, or in the fines department and collecting the fees. Papers also talked this morning of frequent contraception for females aged 17 to 25. That's been signed off now in legislation. I believe it went all the way uh, to the president yesterday. He signed off on it. Free contraception, females aged 17 to 25. Uh, when will it be free contraception? contraception for women of all ages. Maybe that'll be the next step. That's one of the other reasons I was talking about dignity this morning. And then I was reading recently of a story where J.K. Rowling has uh, rode in to defend this family who had to really up the ante to get the care and treatment for their daughter. Now, she's a disabled schoolgirl and the family were told that she would not have the right to women-only care in school toilets. She's a girl disabled girl. The school said we're changing that now uh, and we're going to be much more gender inclusive Um, you know we would have a a cross gender policy the school said and the family said I don't think so, we don't want that for our daughter, she's a girl and we want only females to deal with her I mean part of it would be very intimate care uh, for the pupil including using the toilet and using changing rooms J.K. Rowland def- defended the disabled schoolgirl when she was told that she didn't have to r- the right to women only care in school toilets and ultimately the parents managed to reverse it but only in the case of their own daughter that policy will be rolled out otherwise to everybody else who doesn't actually say sorry I, do- I don't want that um, it's, it's an interesting one actually because uh, you know you talk about uh, you know women only care where women you know, in in a work setting, would only would only care uh, for women. Uh, I remember years back visiting a person in respite uh, when I I saw a similar. In other words, I'm not suggesting any improprieties, um, but with regards to dignity, you know, with, certainly with elderly women, I, I remember at one cage I saw 
um, a, a male staff member take her to the loo and I wondered, you know, it's not very dignified in that regard. And then there's a couple of bizarre stories. Um, one of them is to do with a man who actually killed his own daughter in a blaze that he started during a row. He, he, I guess he just saw red and just literally lost the plot. So he was living in the same house as his wife, but they were living separate lives apparently. And there was all of these cards and flowers and balloons in the house and people calling over to wish his wife a happy birthday. And apparently it drove him insane. So he ripped down all the cards and ripped down all of the balloons and dumped them all and threw all the flowers in the bin. His daughter um, said, you know, took him on and said, you can't, be, you can't be doing that. And she put all of the flowers back up and put the cards back up and what have you. And just paraphrasing, paraphrasing the story. So he completely lost the plot, apparently. And off he went and he, he, he came back with a plastic bucket f- filled with petrol and he threw it all over the stove. Um, and he said, this will be the end of the property. Threw the petrol on the stove Everything caught fire and he left. Apparently, when he was interviewed later, he said that he drove off in the car because he didn't want the car to go up on fire. But his daughter suffered horrific injuries and later died. So he's um, an 81-year-old man, riding with his wife on her birthday, throwing in a bucket of petrol over a stove, starting a house blaze that kills his daughter. He's got to live with that. And he was before the courts uh, yesterday. That's just an incredible story. And then there's another one that I've been following uh, in, the, in the UK. I was following it in the, in, the, in the Telegraph where this pensioner man, a guy called Graham Mansfield, right? His wife had terminal cancer. Now, I won't go into the gruesome details, but he took his own wife's life as well. He, he killed her. He said it was an act of love, right? And I won't go into the details of how he did it, but suffice to say it involved her neck and a knife. So no more than that will I say. Um, he, he claimed in court that they had many conversations about this in the past. And he said that his wife said to him, because she had cancer, she said to him, when things get bad for me, will you kill me? And he agreed to it. And he said that they came up with a manner in which her sitting in a chair, him coming up behind her. Um, and then the idea was that he would then take his own life which he didn't do, he couldn't do it, or it was a botched attempt. So he called 999. The rest of it then ended up with him being in court. And I was wondering on Saturday reading it, is this guy going to get jail or is he, is he going to get murder or manslaughter or what? Well, the papers this morning say that the judge ruled that he acted out of love. He acted out of love when he did what he did. Spared jail and cleared of the murder of his wife. Now, the police at the time were saying... Um, if we're to believe you, how come your wife didn't leave any note? How come we have no instructions? How come there's no paperwork? There's no indication that she was actually agreeing to this? And that was their defense. The guards, pardon me, the police um, angle to it was, if your wife really was part of this, how come you have no evidence to prove it? But the judge saw differently. And, and you know, there are lighthearted stories, and I like the lighthearted stories, particularly on a Friday. Uh, one of them has to do with, you remember... I think we did this on on air and online a few weeks ago. Bad habits, right? Uh, You know, whether it's people reaching over and taking a chip from your plate or, you know, people on their mobile phones when they should be eating or, you know, texting while uh, having a conversation with you, stuff like that. Um, Or people eating with their mouths open. Apparently, that's not uh, a bad habit. Apparently, we're told by researchers this morning and scientists, who are we to argue with the scientists or a psychiatrists, they say that you should eat with your mouth open, apparently. Uh, It's much better for you. Um, Your food will taste better. You're releasing all of the really good organic 
compounds and aromas and the flavours of the food by chomping away with your mouth open, right? It might be very annoying to other people, but it's the way to go. Uh, They said in their research, when it comes to sound, we like noisy foods like crunchy crisps. It's best to hear the crunch of an apple, a crisp, a carrot, a cracker, a crisp bread, a handful of popcorn, and we should always ditch our manners and chew with our mouths open. So that's permission to you all just to drive on. Apparently, wasn't there another story saying that you should chew every mouthful of food 22 times? Have you ever tried to actually do that, right? I suggest you should try and do it. It's nigh on impossible to chew every mouthful of food 22 times before you follow it. How do I know? Because I tried and tried and tried. Um, And I go absolutely nuts at about 17 chews. Uh, I end up swallowing it. And that's just one time. You imagine doing that every single time. Anyway, Mammy doesn't know best, apparently. Uh, chew away with your mouth open. And then there's a good one on name changes. I think the Spanish are better at this than we are, I'm told. But they did some research as to, in the Independent this morning, as to the amount of women and men who changed their names when they got married. Apparently, 3% of women uh, take their husband's name, according to it. In a recent survey of nearly 1,000, only about 3% uh, of men took their wives' names. And, and something like uh, 87% of women uh, took their husbands' names. I guess the balance of those kept their own names. So a huge disparity there, isn't there? You know, 87% of women changing their name to their husbands, but only 3% of men changing their names to their wives. We need to get that 50-50 at least, don't we? You're listening to the number one talk show in Cork, The Neil Prendeville Show. It's the best in Cork. On Red FM. Uh, there's another few stories which I'll come back to throughout the course of the morning, but I need to press on because uh, time is against me. So, your thoughts on those speed vans, actually, and Gatso vans and speed cameras. Text 0868104106. But I want to chat, if I can, with uh, Robertus, um, who's joining me by phone. Robertus, good morning. Can Hello, you hear, how are you? Good, man. You can hear me okay, can you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, absolutely, okay. Yeah. There seems to be a little bit of a delay on the line, so we'll see how we get on with it. Tell me, tell me no, your story. No, no, t- no, okay, tell me your story. You lost your job during the COVID pandemic, right back at the start of it, as a professional chef. Well, Is that right? If you go at the start of it, like you no, know, uh, I, I came like here to Ireland at two thousand and four. Like I was, I was only uh, fourteen, fifteen, something like that. And I started working for the farmer, like, you know, in the mushroom farm. And I, I grew up. A mushroom farm, right. working for the, the food in, in, industry. Yeah. And I, I actually get all the certs and everything to be a professional cook. Because I am a professional cook. Okay. Okay, you trained. And, uh, and after that, like, you know, a little mistakes. I hurt my, my leg. I went to the hospital and then I, I that's it. I got, uh, I lost my job. I lost my living place. I lost everything. Okay, let me let me just stop and you on that point. You say, were you, you were injured. Was it an injury? Uh, no, it was, it, it just was like, you know, my knee. That's your, all. Your knee. So you what? Yeah. You had a problem with your knee, which meant that you you couldn't stand or you couldn't chef or couldn't work in a kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, okay. exactly. Yeah. So you were laid off, were you? Yeah, I was in the hospital, like you know, for about um, uh, two months or something. Okay. 
And okay. after that, I, I had no job. Like, you know, I have nothing. No, no, no place to live. Nothing. Okay. So I went to the Simon's community. And when, when you, hold on a second, when you were working, had you your own place to live? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I, I was actually renting the, the place uh, down in Karak too. And were you making good money, chefing? I know. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. But I was actually spending the money too, like, you know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. Absolutely. you got to live your life. But it was a good job and it was paying well and you were able to pay your rent um, and, you know, pay all your bills. But after this issue with yeah. your knee... Um, you you say you were you actually laid off because of a knee issue? Uh, yeah, it wasn't the knee issue, like you know. But after I was released, I got um, very bad uh, depression because I was end up on the street. No one was just helping me, give yeah. me a hand or yeah. anything. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know what to do, like. No, I was, so I, was just, years, like, I was just trying to work out why you lost the job, the good paying job, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they didn't want me anymore. That's it. Yeah, I'm not so sure that that's legal, you know? I don't know if you can do that to an employer. Were you just being paid cash or were you on the books or, or what? Oh no no! It was it was actually uh, all, all was legal. I have a contracts and everything. Like you know, it was all legal. But they all they told me like you know the, um they told me uh, when I was released from the hospital and I said like you know I was ready to work. They uh, told me you can work in Balibalain. Uh, in, in yeah, I'm not interested. Store. I'm not interested in any places or oh, yeah, names sorry, or anything sorry. like that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. They... You, you can work in in different store. Yeah. And I said, no. Listen, I I love to work in the same store I used to work. Like you know, I'm, I was their salary manager. Yeah. Okay. You know, okay. Uh, come on. Yeah. And they said no. Okay. And then I said, all right, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. Okay, so you weren't sacked, you left. Okay, okay, so I clear that up. Yeah. So anyway, have, having done that then, you couldn't get any work and ended up homeless and living in a tent down Carrick Toolway, is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's, okay. that's true. Okay, how long have you been doing that? It's been over, 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 uh, over 60 days now. In a tent? Yeah. Okay. And Thanks. like... <laughs> And not ha- so many people actually can understand that, like, you know. I can understand it. I hope they I will, can. like, you know, I hope they will, like, you know, if, if uh, look, I'm, 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 I'm talking now, I'm, I'm laughing and everything, um, I'm, but it's, no, it's okay. not that funny. Okay, it's not that but, funny, like, you know. Okay, but before that, like you this. said you did, no, it's not funny at all, I feel awful for you, I feel awful for anybody living in a tent or sleeping in a doorway. So, you went to Simon, though, before that, did you? Trying to get help or trying to get a bed? No, they they, they only they, they gave uh, the the bed letting in at uh, half 11, 12 o'clock at midnight. Oh, I see. Yeah. And they letting you out at 7 o'clock in the morning. Okay. Like, literally, you have to spend 
like, oh, come on, almost like, you know, 20 hours. That's right. Just, you're, you're out on the streets all day outside, like, in know, all so sorts I, of weather. Rather, you know, I'd rather get, you know, the tent and uh, sleep in there. Like, But it's still, it's not easy to. So was that the only engagement with homeless services? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, no, it's like that can't, 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 uh, you see, like you know, them in Cork, like in Cork uh, County, uh, all the homeless services, all the organizations are belongs to the county council. Yeah, yeah. And if the one person in county council, I can say the uh, the name, but I won't. Uh, if he will say no. It means none of the organizations gonna give you no nothing. And why? And why won't people engage with you? What did you? Did something happen? Um. Yeah. It's actually uh, because I didn't got uh, on the time uh, on the uh, on the time the documentation that they don't have any properties down below in Lithuania. I still actually waiting. I'm still waiting. For those documentation that I don't have, have it's, it's taking a long time. Oh, they they want you to go so, back to Lithuania, do they? Sorry, they want you to go back to Lithuania. Is it? No, 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 no. They want me to get those documentations and everything. I actually requested, requested everything, and they actually on the way down to Ireland that they don't have any properties or anything. Okay, that you don't have property in Lithuania. Yeah, okay. I don't, I don't. Okay, no, 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 it's just that it said here on the notes that you were kicked out of the homeless services and I'm trying to find out if that's true and if so, why? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was because of the, of the, um, it actually was a simple thing. Like, you know, it was because uh, I, I called ambulance few times I called ambulance because I'm not good, like, you know, in, 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 in the health. Right. Why did you call the ambulance a few times? What, what happened? No, I, I have actually a problem with my stomach and problem with my breathing. Okay. All right. You have a lot yeah, of issues so, going on. Uh, stomach problems, breathing problems, depression and a bad knee. You really are getting a right hammering health-wise, aren't you? Yeah, but yeah, they kicked me out like this, like, you know. Okay, because you were calling the ambulance too often. Yeah. 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 And how's, you know, how long have you been, what, here, 10 years? You don't have any, you don't have any money, you don't have any savings. That's why you're in a tent. Um, What do you do for food or washing or, or shaving or clean clothing or laundry? Well, yeah, that's a good uh, question about shaving, uh, about the washing. Yeah, washing, washing, laundry, laundry. I'm doing down below in Karakturu in the big washing machines. There is outside the centre. Uh, shaving, I haven't been shaved for, I don't know, three months or something. Go away, really? So yeah, things I'm that we take yeah, for granted, like brushing your teeth, having a shave, having a shower, clean T-shirt. Now I'm brush, I'm brushing my tooth. Uh, it's all right. Like you know, I'm washing myself usually. Like you know, the the wet wipes. Wet wipes you wash like, yourself with. Yeah, 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 yeah. God.
But I have, uh, you know, the, the once a week I'm going to Simon's and having the shower there. Like, you know. Okay, okay. Um, would you not go home, though? Have you not family in Lithuania? Surely life back in Lithuania would be better than a tent in Karaktool. Nah. No? That's my country. That's my country where I've been in love. That's why I actually finished the school and straight away went to Ireland. That's my country. Ireland is your country. And I believe, I believe I deserve actually to be, to be named not Lithuanian, but Irish. Okay. Okay. No, no, I'm just saying. I'm just no, saying from I'm the point right. of view of you know your quality of life and being with family and friends and out of a tent in Lithuania, you know perhaps a job in no, Lithuania. I don't have. A, I don't have. A, that's 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 the thing. I don't have a family or anything in Lithuania. Okay. Nothing. Nothing. Like <laughs> there is nowhere to go. Like you know that that's it. That's my house. Like that's my home. You have no family at all. Are they, do they all pass away or, or what? Right. I have a family here in Ireland. Like, you know, the, 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 um, my father and okay. mother. They're here. Yeah, they're here. Yeah, that's right. But okay. uh, we had uh, actually bad Bad fight, vibes. Kind of. Bad vibes. Okay. Yeah, all right. We are okay. They, that's that's that, that's enough of that. That's enough of that. Just out of respect to you and your mother and your father and what have you. But there are issues there. No, I mean, I, I mean, they, I don't mean they, to be overly really good. Yeah. So, if you could get cleaned up, you could get a job, couldn't you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. If you can find somewhere to live, you could get a job because they're crying out for chefs and cooks. You know that. Oh yeah, definitely. I know that. Yeah, absolutely. I read it like you know, even on the news, like you know, they're saying they 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 crying for the for the chefs, like you know, and the cooks and everything. Yeah, but you said that nobody would hire you looking the way you do, is it? Yeah, no one, no one wants me. Actually, I tried a few places around in Karakul. Yeah, and. They not as me as I'm living in the tent. I know. And they say, "I'm oh, sorry, sorry, no, 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 you're okay." Like you know. Yeah, yeah. And my CV, my my CV, and my all the experience and everything, they don't care. Okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. It's... They literally don't care because I'm living in the tent. And you have no one to put you up. At all. Have you any money coming in? Are you getting any social welfare? I do, but it, it's coming all the money, like, you know, the, those uh, 200 euro I'm getting weekly. I know. Um, it's coming for to get the food. I understand that. Get, I know. I mean, uh, I understand, but at least there's get, a bit of money get, coming you know, in. To get some, some, something, you know, to keep you warm. Yeah, I know. Because you have to buy, like, you know, the, everything. Like I know. The stove and everything. Yeah. And has anybody come along to... to, to Chat with you in the tent or ask you to move on or ask you why you're there? Uh, not not yet. Not yet. In what? Six, did you say 60 days or 90 days? Uh, 60. Yeah. Since, well, yeah, it's about 60 days. Yeah, yeah, I know. So you haven't a hope of ever getting a flat or a house or a room anywhere, do you? No I, I was trying everywhere. I was trying in the Simons. I was trying to call the the uh, county council. 
I was All trying right. the APS. I was trying to some Vincent the Pauls. I was trying Eagle House. Like it, it's a lot of places. Like I was ringing and going and nothing. So what do you do for a hot dinner? Do you ever have a proper meal? You do because you 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 cook it yourself and you've got a stove there and everything. Yeah, yeah, Do you regret walking out of the job now, considering everything that's happened? Sorry. Do you regret walking out on the job? Oh yeah, yeah. It's fun, you know. <laughs> All right. Okay. I feel for you, man. I really and truly do. I. But again. What are you going to do next? I'm I'm trying to find a job, like, you know. I'm trying to find a job and uh, to earn some money and finally get uh, at least a room. Oh. I'm asking, I'm not asking of the residents. I'm not asking of the, the big building. I know. I'm asking... I'm asking why I'm calling you. Like, it's just a reason to find the room. That's all. That's all I need. Okay, and that'll get you back without, on your feet without, again. Without a, without a room, I cannot get the job. Without the job, I cannot get the room. It's catch-22. So, it's, uh, it's, yeah, I know. Like, I know. You know. I understand. I understand. I understand. It's a catch-22. It's a cycle, yeah. I understand. You can't get out of the loop. You're in repeat, yeah. Um, it would be great if there was a job that came with a room in a, in a hotel or a restaurant or a guest house or some kind of facility. Have you references? <laughs> From where? Yeah, okay. Come on. Really? Yeah, I know. Okay, okay. No, I have the reference of the, 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 the Simon's community. I do. I do have no. I, I mean, I, I just would want. I'd want you to be a good worker. You know what I mean. If anybody got in touch or anything like that, I want to. I, I, I don't want to be getting somebody into. No, I do have. Actually, I do have. Uh, I have a reference uh, from the fella in the Washington Street. Uh, all right. Well, I don't. I don't want to go into. Don't go into. All right. Don't go into the details of where. Uh, but if you all have, right, if, right, it's just right. that I, I just need to be very careful if somebody gets in touch with me and wants to maybe hire you or help you out and then it turns out to be a disaster, you know what I mean? So if anybody does get in touch, you know, don't let me down. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right, Roberta, hang in there. All right. We'll see if I get anything on this, but uh, very sad to hear where you are. Uh, it's tough life in a tent. It really and truly is. Let's see if anything becomes out of this conversation. You know, it's, 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 it's not that easy as everyone thinks. Like, no, you it's know? not. It's far from it. No, it's far from it. I know that. I know that people like you know that live in tents. Like you know that two days, one day, and they say like you know, oh no, I can't do it anymore. I know. And I'm like six days. I know. I know. It's hard. Yeah, it's, it's all very well for people to be texting saying there is work available and you can walk in here and walk in there, there's signs up. But if people find out that a guy's living in a tent and washing himself with wipes um, and, uh, you know, will they hire you? I don't know. I don't know. All right, let, let's see if anything comes out of it. Hang in there, Roberto. We'll be back to you, all right?
Yeah, no, whatever. Okay. All right, bye. Okay, try and stay positive. Talk soon. Take care for now. Back after the break. Text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Corks Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. And bear in mind also, it's a free food Friday today again, because it's Friday with Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas, and Blackpool Retail Park. So you need to text or WhatsApp who you are and where you are to 0868104106. This feeds 15, perhaps even more than 15 people because roosters, uh, they don't hang about when it comes to portions and uh, the amount of food that they're going to send you. So I'll tell you about all of the food after 10 this morning. But for now, get your texts in, get your shout outs in. Tell us who you are and where you are. Text 086-8104-106. A little later on this morning, uh, we'll pick a winner for our free Food Friday for this week. So off you go on that one. For all of the business, you can pick up the phone on 0818-104-106. Now, just staying with human interest stories and stories of people's lives. Mark, good morning. Hello. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you perfectly, Neil. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Now, you're coming up on your 30th birthday, and and I know you're desperate to find your mum. More on that in a second. But it's a birthday that you will always remember. Why? This year alone has there's been a lot of a lot of issues, a lot of drama. Given I, I had a big accident as well this year, which I'm very lucky to be alive. So what happened? Do you mind me asking what happened? Near fatal, you said. It was close enough. Yeah, it was a motorcycle accident. But I was just to my bits driving out. Was on the way to the shopping centre and collided with a jeep. No fault of my own. God. And the injuries sustained were almost, as I said, near fatal. So you were hospitalised for a long time, I believe, were you? I was after the accident. I was asleep for near three days during surgeries and everything else, which I didn't know what was actually going on. Yeah. Then when I woke, I was aware that I had a splenectomy, so I had my spleen removed, and also I had broken my femur as well. <sighs> Did they tell you that, that it was? Did they tell you it was touch and go? Like that you were, in spite of the injuries, lucky to be alive. Just in general, if it, uh, where the injury actually had happened, there was it was on just the main road with not much room, but it, there was a cafe very close, so people obviously would have heard the collision and called the ambulance. But God. because I'd ruptured my spleen and my liver, if I was to have remained roadside for more than a half an hour to an hour, then unfortunately, I wouldn't be sitting here on this phone call. To be honest, wow. So, it's fair to say the ambulance got there fast. All the service in general, it was, I was very lucky. The ambulance, they get there fast and just being brought straight to the hospital and going straight in for the operations and everything else. Okay, it was, well, it was that's, really that's good to lucky. hear. That is good to hear because time, in your case, made all the difference. As you're saying, you're bleeding yeah. out from the spleen, you're bleeding out from the liver. Game over if they don't get to you fast, and they did. Okay, so um, and you haven't even made thirty yet. I, I just, I just want to be very careful with regards to the other aspect in our story because I know that you're looking for your mother, but I want to be respectful to you and to her as well. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Okay, hundred percent. So, do you want to do you want to rewind the clock and tell me what you feel is okay to share? I think the whole reason that I'm doing this, I've always like I've always been aware since a very very young age. My mom would have left when I was two years old. Myself and two other sisters that would have different fathers to me. Okay. So my dad had me with my mom from the age of about two to three. She 
basically vanished from Cork. We're all from Mahin. So from the Mahin area, just disappeared off the face of the earth, really. Okay. And I had sent newspaper clippings and I posted them on my Facebook as well. That, like it was and it, like a really, really big search for years. But from such a young age, I've always been very aware that the fact that my mom, like my actual mom had left. So throughout my whole life, I suppose I've always been wondering and thinking and I, I suppose I never really got the answers because there was a lot of people affected by it as well. But then as life moved on, as it does, my dad remarried. I had my stepmom who reared me from a very young age still to this day I would still call her mum okay because she's like she's my mum she's the one that reared me but I think they went on then to have more kids which would be my sisters and everything else yeah well I think the one thing that was missing for me is the fact that like my sisters and everything me being the only boy all my sisters they they have their mum they have their dad obviously I have my stepmom but getting older and just going through the troubles that we do through my teenage years and going into adult life and everything else. It, there was always just that one thing missing, do you know what I mean? And because it did affect a lot of people, it was kind of just unspoken. So it's something that I also pushed aside and suppressed. Okay. Now, I just have a screen up here now, and I don't have these printed off, unfortunately. I know you sent me clippings. Um, and I'm looking at some of them. So just talk me through this. I'm looking at newspaper articles and one of them says, why did our mum run off and leave us? Uh, page down there, uh, it says um, she left behind three kids when she vanished. And there's various photographs then of a very young you, a small little baby being cradled soon after birth, I would think. Uh, these are the kind of clippings. So you have been searching, right? Yeah. Okay. Is there any other that I can look at there, different clippings? Uh, children's sad vigil for mum who left home. Three heartbroken children are keeping um, a vigil um, that their mum will literally walk back into their lives. Now, there's you uh, and uh, your th- you actually, this article um, is from when you were three years old, right? I did. Between it was between two and three. I've always been aware that it was. I was two years old. So yeah, between yeah, two so and this, three. I think this might be uh, either an Examiner or an Echo article from way back in the day. Um, and there and there are other newspaper articles. Uh, family of missing girls set up helpline. Helpline has been set up for missing persons by relatives of a mother of three who disappeared two years ago. Launching a CD using lyrics written by uh, by your mum and. Uh, did she ever? Did she ever make contact? Not, not as far as I'm aware. I do. I know that there was a point of contact via her brother. I'm. I believe that, like her brother had committed suicide many years ago. But I believe there was there was a. They were in contact, but it was just a big secret. Okay. Um, another one, another one from the Echo in 1996 says, Relieved Mahan family received word from British Helpline, missing mother is alive and well. I vaguely remember doing something on this story years and years ago. Years ago. Uh, so what's that? Mm. You see the Echo story there saying that, that Tracy, Denise... Um, is alive and well. Did, did you're you're clearly aware of that you're 29 years old now. Yeah, I was I was told that just growing up and just passing. Like I've said, it's 
it was always a touchy subject, so it was kind of just never spoken about, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So any any information that I have would have been information that I would have to source myself or kind of just try dig it out. But I think it was just a whole lot easier just to to kind of pretend that it never happened. And then as I got older, my grandmother, which would be Tracy's mom, she had passed away. But even growing up, I kind of I was made not that I was made distant, but I could even kind of distance myself from that side of the family because it's kind of like. As I got older as well, I got a little bit more angry. So was, I didn't just—I didn't see the point really. There was only—I mean? see an article there saying "runaway mother alive." Can you, runaway woman who left three kids is living in London. Um, yeah, I was—I was told that at a certain point, I think it was after ten years after she would have went missing that she was contacted in London and that she also could have possibly had another daughter by the name of Amy. Right, right. Um, so all of these various newspaper articles means that this search, you know, and this wondering and, you know, looking for your mother has been going on for 27 years at least. It was, ex- it was extensive. Like, cause even my mum, she was, she was a singer. At that point, just before she'd went missing, I believe her career was pretty much about to take off and she was involved with singers from the commitments and like a lot of a lot of big Irish singers back then yeah. including Rob Armstrong and Andrew Andrew Strong and everything else like she was I, I know that she had like contacts with these people so she was like she was about to become a very important person do you know what I mean and the fact she just completely disappeared off the face of the earth people needed answers yeah, Tracy Murphy right. disappeared off. But do you know how they say that she got in touch with some kind of a, the services in the UK um, to say that she was okay? I imagine she said that she was okay, yeah. alive and well. Would that not suggest that she she made contact but doesn't want to be found? A hundred percent. That's like it, even I've reached out to all her side of the family that I would know, like yeah. my my family on her side I've reached out to all of them numerous of times but it's it's kind of the same answer I don't know I don't know I don't know and it's always the same repetitive answer but I believe that obviously someone knows something Okay You were never given any details about who she got always, in touch with I was with. always given no I was always given the same answer I don't know I can't help you I don't know and it's lies like and I know at a lot of a lot of points as I got older as well it was it was more so avoided rather than spoken about. I know what you're so saying, there. yeah. So was that was the last real coverage of this back in 1996, Missing Mother is Alive and Well, word from a British helpline that she got in touch with? No, even, even all these newspaper clippings that you have, the only reason that I have them is because, thankfully, my dad's sister, she had kept them just throughout this whole process. Okay. I gotcha, I gotcha. So at this stage... The only reason I actually have this information is thanks to her because she's she's one of the people that I could have always like I can ask her any question and if she has the right answer she's not going to try mollycoddle she's going to tell me what I need to know do you know what I mean so, so you I'm have the articles ahead. from the newspapers not just Cork papers actually this was a story that was big um, and the Sunday papers and now, you know I'm seeing one after the other here now one after the other why story here from one of the red tops why did our mum run off and leave us she left behind three kids when she vanished so at this stage of your life it's important to you to find your mother by hook or by crook? It's, it's, it's 
probably one of the most important things to be honest for me to be able to just move on I did I put in my Facebook post I put just in case it was a point because I believe as well because my mum would know my family she would know how to contact me she would know how to find me on social media so I think my hope was just for her to see that post in particular okay. and I finished it with I don't need anything from you I don't want anything from you all I need is just the closure to, for me to be able to move on my life I've had like growing up like I've said I understand. No, I tell you what, I want to do justice to finish this, finishing this conversation properly. So can you hang in there for another few minutes just after 10? Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Back after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now, 086-8104-106, Red FM. So, Mark, I just didn't want to rush there just before 10 o'clock, but I do recall the story. I remember now, we're talking about uh, your mam leaving around about 1995, was it? It would have been about that time, okay. yeah. So how old would she be now? Um, she would be, I think I added up when he, yesterday, I think she'd be 50... 53, 54 maybe. Okay, thank you for that. And you know the near fatal accident that you had on the motorbike? Did that, where you nearly died and would have died if the ambulance hadn't got there as fast, did that get you thinking, I could have died and never found my mother? Is is there a sense of urgency after that? Obviously, it's always always been something that's been on my mind, like I said, but it's it's always something that's kind of just been pushed aside and easier not spoken about. But I think after that, after that situation and coming up to my thirtieth birthday as well, it's it's now a very very important part of my life where yeah. I do just need an answer and I do need closure. Do you know what I mean? And was your dad able to shine any light on it? Did she? Did he have a conversation with her? Was there any indications? Any notes or letters? No. I think, given given the circumstances, I I think there was a lot of people hurt in the whole the whole process of her leaving. So again, it's it's something that's kind of been unspoken about. Oh, I, I, could, know. I could speak to, I could speak to my dad, and like even to this day, it's it's something as well that he's still going to be very like something that he's not dealt with himself. So yeah. that's going to reflect on me and my search as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and clearly you have searched her name and used a you know search engines and online in you know to no avail I've been I've been looking for as far back as I can remember I've been I've been searching myself and I think as well the reason that I would have never went public or like because I've had these newspaper clippings for quite some time but I think the reason that I never would have went public as well is the fact that I was worried about upsetting people and like bringing up a story that people didn't want to talk about so that would be like my dad or yeah. my stepmom and everything else so rather I think I was kind of putting other people before myself to that kind of way I know well listen uh, listen. I'm, I'm delighted to have this conversation with you on, on a lot of different levels uh, I, I, I do recall it back in, in the 90s I remember covering the story at the time Um do you ever think that that she that she may not be alive, Mark? That's also unfortunately that's something as well that crosses my mind. I, that would probably be one of my main concerns as well because I think even over the last like few years, my dad has been significantly ill as well. 
but I think the fact that like my sisters would they they'd know their their mom and they'd know yeah, their dad know. and everything else. So I think if anything was to happen to my dad, then I I feel like I'd be alone. Do you know what I mean? I know, I know. But like everything, do you believe someone knows something? Someone def someone definitely does. She's she has a big family, and I know through going through like her life and everything she had, she had her reasons for leaving in regards of her family life and everything else but she would have also had a very supportive family in in England because you don't hear all that often of mothers literally walking out the front door closing it behind them and leaving children behind she you don't well at that point like I know she'd walked into a pub inside town where my dad was DJing she had walked in handed me over but he had said like he's my, I'm staying with him my two sisters were left outside the church in Mahan very close to where my grandmother would have lived where they were staying so that would have been her family home she'd left the two girls outside the church I, I was given to my dad in a, of, in a pub inside town so it was, it was obviously a very urgent reaction on, on her behalf as well do you know what I mean I wonder what was going through her mind I'll never know I did come across a letter that I didn't really speak about or I didn't mention that I'd found it I was young teenager and just going through a lot of shit myself sorry for that's alright pal that's alright excuse me but going through a lot of stuff myself so I kind of went wandering through my grandmother's house and went through her personal belongings and everything else and I did one time actually come across a letter that my mum had left it didn't it didn't really state why she had left but she was very sorry for how she would have behaved or for like how she would have put my grandmother through things and everything else. It was more of an apology rather than okay. saying why she was actually leaving. So okay. it didn't actually give me much information either. I know, I know. It's on, it's, it's, it continues to be an unsolved mystery to you, perhaps not to others, of why Tracy Murphy, your mother, left back around about 95, um, is our mid-50s now, um, reached out at one stage, considering all of the press coverage back in the day, to emergency services in London to say that she was okay, but nothing since then. Um, if, if for instance, you did manage to reconnect with her, what what would you say? What what would you what would you like to try and achieve if that were luckily to happen for you? It's a it's a conversation that I've obviously went over my whole life. Really, it's always a conversation that I've thought about. Like, what would I say and what would I do? Like, I don't I don't hold I don't hold any anger, I don't hold any hatred, I don't like nothing along those lines it's more so, I'd, I, obviously I'd like an explanation as it, to why but I, I feel, I, I feel, I do feel that I would be very understanding You just want to hear her story That's it, that's the thing, like it, I just want to know maybe why she had left and if she, if she doesn't want to be found that's completely fine but at least even if I was told that from herself then that's that's it's unfortunately something that I'm just going to have to accept and it's okay. something I'm willing to accept just it's like if I she said, were to get in touch to say I'm okay but I don't want to reconnect I don't want to meet you should live your own life and I'll live mine you would be okay no. with that it's, it's not the ideal it's not ideal no I know it's not me me moving on with my life and just have been able to put this part of my story to rest then yeah I would I would be okay with that and never a birthday card nor a birthday present nor a Christmas card nor a Christmas nothing no nothing 
in all those years? Last contact would have been, well, with me anyway. Not sure about anyone else, but last contact with me would have been the day that I was handed over to my dad in a pub inside town in 1994, 95, 27 years ago. Do you recall that as a, as a three-year-old? No? I, it's, it's very strange. I always, like, I always feel like I have some sort of a connection because I was made, I was made aware from a very, very, very young age that my mom had left. So obviously I, I, like I, through my whole life, I've always felt like I have a connection. Like she was a singer. I'm a singer. It's something that I've never pursued or anything like that. And I think all the reasons of this is just down to this, this whole situation. There, there is a, there is a connection there. I don't remember it, but I, I do feel, I do feel something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You, you've got a, you've got an unfinished jigsaw for 27 yeah. years. Damn you really? Yeah. I mean, you went to, are you in Alba Fera now? The lads were telling me you're managing I'm, an Irish bar or something. Yeah, yeah, I'm currently living in Alba Firm here since 2015. Yeah. Managing Temple Bar. Good man, good man, good man. All other aspects of your life have gone very well, apart from that accident. Yeah? Everything else is... You know. It's kind of... It's, it's, my life is just um, a mad thing altogether. I've, I've always been the type of person where I just done whatever I wanted whenever I wanted I, I knew I, I knew from a very young age what I was going to do and what I wanted and there was no one going to tell me otherwise so I kind of I kind of just took it upon myself to to go out and experience life so I feel I've always been kind of by myself anyway I know I know it's just this and sad and I think now as I, as I am getting older and because this accident and it could have been a lot different to what it is and the fact that my dad has been ill and I could potentially lose him very soon and I feel like I'm just going to be left in the world by myself sort of thing even though I know it's not the case because obviously I have really good friends and people that care about me and everything else but it's there's that thing that is missing and it's, I don't I think I can move on until I, I do get some sort of an answer you know what I mean? I know and you know and chase down every lead and every possibility even if it's I hate using the word, but a word like rejection comes to mind, you know. Um, and hopefully that won't be the case in a conversation like this. And also the Facebook appeal that you've up actually and asking people to share it and continue to share it um, regarding uh, your mother, Tracy Murphy, who left back in 1995 and she'd be in her mid-50s now, uh, lived in Mahan. Someone somewhere may have a piece of jigsaw puzzle that might fit, you know, and move you closer. Um, and it's up on Facebook, isn't it? It's on Facebook. With all of the newspaper clippings and everything. All the information that you have is all the information that's on the post. That's an amazing thing. Like I I said, it's it's just because as well that I know, like obviously she knows my family. She knows, like she was in my dad's life for a long time. So she'd know my aunts. She'd know her own daughters who are my sisters. So I think it's something in my head as well as the fact that she could potentially be just looking at my social media every day and realizing that I'm doing okay. So there's no reason to get involved. So I think that's why I went so public on social media. The fact that she might actually see it and see how I'm feeling. Yeah, yeah. Because I know my older sister, my older sisters, they they were old enough to realise that she kind of abandoned them. Yeah, I know, I I know that. I know that is a a word that you could use. Abandonment. Don't know what was going through her head at the time. You know, but but maybe she's been living all of these years, thinking that nobody wants her, or dislikes her, or hates her for what she did. That you don't want her in your life. That you're bitter, and she's lived with that and hasn't been in touch because she's afraid. You know. 
Yeah, 100%. And th- that's the thing. Like I said, if, like I'm not, I don't, I've never my whole life grown up as, as much as I could be angry. And I think that's it. Like my sisters, they would have been that little bit older, so they would have had a little bit more understanding. So they would hold that hurt and that anger. But because I was so young, I... I didn't experience. I didn't experience that, so yeah. I've never actually carried that on with me. So maybe Tracy Murphy, your mother, for the first time now and never before now, is getting this information that you're looking for her and you're not angry. You want to meet. This could be. This could be great news for her. Yeah. Yeah. Could be great news for very, her. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. And it is something that I thought about as well. But I think the reason that I wouldn't have went public on social media as soon as social media became a thing like I could have done it a long time ago but I think as well it was the fact that I didn't want to because it was something that we never spoke about I didn't want to upset people or I didn't want to drag up the past and just have people and I think that's that's a trait that I have where I, I just don't want, I don't want people to get hurt do you know what I mean I just I know I know I know I understand you're, you're very very cognizant of other people's feelings and relationships and you know uh, how they were affected by it. But this is yours. This is, is exclusively your story and your journey. And I know that we're, we're sharing your Facebook post, your Facebook plea, if you like. Um, you'd never know what may come of it or even this conversation, people listening might know something. It's amazing. I recall the story um, v- vaguely from, you know, back in the 90s and all the newspaper coverage and talking about it on air. Uh, there's a lot more tools now available, of course, with the with the online world that might make all of the difference. Do you try DNA yeah. or anything like that? You didn't do join an you know this DNA ancestry thing you can do to see if you've some way of it getting was, it. No, it was it was something that was suggested or it was, it's, it's never an angle that I took. I did. I was in touch with one or two uh, private investigators over the last few years, but obviously financially that was yeah. a bit too much, and then. The, there was one woman in particular I was on onto in the last year to two years I reckon, and she done like an extensive search, do it without me actually paying her first. But when it came when she was searching and everything, like she wasn't actually finding anything, so she just said to me like, "You can pay for everything, but the risk of you losing all your money is very high." I know, of course, yeah. So I kind of yeah. just gave up on that option then as well. Total mystery. The mystery remains unsolved. Okay, well, will you will you stay in touch? I'd love to stay in touch with you as we go forward, particularly after this conversation, see if anything comes of this, or what you get back online from your Facebook post, you know? Yeah, of course. Okay. I know that we're going to share that. I hope other media pick up on it as well, because... Uh, It'll be a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, Mark, hold, hold on there, if you will. I just want to have a chat with Geraldine. Geraldine, good morning. Good morning. Hi. Thank you. You've waited an age there, and I thank you for it. You want to tell Mark no, that you. there is hope. Why do you say that? Well, I, I've been listening to him, and I I know everything he's saying and going through. I just wanted to say it just hit me when he said he's 30. Mark, I was 32 when I finally found my mother. So hold in there, because good things do happen. I mean... I was trying to find my mother for a long time, but I was 32 when I actually found her. So things can happen for yeah. you in the future. Just hold tough. You you were adopted yeah. you, you, when you were small. Was that the case? Yes, I was put into a home when I was born up in Belfast. Mm. And um, my mother was put on, on a boat to Canada. She was put on a boat to Canada by family? By her mother and father. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I, I Didn't that happen Gerber. all too often? Sometimes it was London, it sometimes it was America, Canada, Australia, and other parts yeah. of the country. And yeah. she never came yeah. back? No, I knew nothing. I didn't even know I was adopted. I had my family, my adopted mother and father, and a sister, an older sister, and I had a younger brother. Myself and my younger brother were both adopted. We never knew that. I, I was looking through a pile of papers one day when I was about 11, around that age, and I found two birth certs with two different names, and I was thinking, who are these people? I'd never heard of them. And I did say, I took them and I gave them to my mother, and I did say, who, who, who are these? And she sat myself and my brother down that day, and she said, that was actually you. And she said to my brother, Martin, that was actually him, that they had adopted us years before. And we never, ever knew. And that started a thing in my head then from that age thinking, okay, so I I was about 11, 10, 11, that age group. So I would go to bed at night and I'd have these fantasies in my head. Oh, my mother's going to come and pick me up and she's a princess and I'm going to be a princess. And you have all the... Things go through your head. You're, you need no control over them. I know. I know. Yeah. You yeah. think all these weird things. But I had to find her the old-fashioned way because there was no Facebook or anything like that when I was small or, you know. But where did but you I even did... know where to start? Your mother was in Canada. Yeah. My mother was in Toronto living. I knew where to start because on those birth certs, there was an address in Bangor. And I thought no more about it. It was when I was married and I had three children. I had a lovely little boy and two girls. And people would say to me, oh, how do they look like? You know, I, I, I can't see you in her. And I was thinking, maybe they look like my mum, my real mum, yeah. my birth mum, as yeah. I call her. Yeah, yeah. And um, I decided, you know what? I'm going to start in Bangor in County Down and I'm going to find my mum. And I went to Bangor to the church, the Catholic churches that are in Bangor. And they were old priests, you know, they were of the old school and they wouldn't help me. They wouldn't look through their registers and they wouldn't help me in any way at all. And then I decided to go door to door and start knocking doors and just mentioned her name and asked people, did, did they know her? Did they know the family? Was there anything? And it came to a standstill. Nothing happened. And then a friend of mine rang me one day and said, there's a new parish priest in that church you were in, and he's young. Maybe you should contact him. So I did that. I went down, and he was lovely. And he got out these big, thick books, you know, where they put in registers of births and marriages and things that they keep in the church. And he sat with me. We had we were taking books each and looking through them to see what we could see. And didn't he come across my mother's name? So with that, then there was a name for my grandmother and address. And I went and knocked on her door. And I got I did get a very good response. She said, "I knew you would always come. I knew there would be a knock at my door. That you would always come." And she gave me the address of um, my birth mother's sister, who still lives in Bangor. And um, I went to her and she said, 
I contact her. And if she wants to contact you, I give her your address. And I was happy enough with that. You know, I thought that, that, that's progress now. I was happy. And I waited six weeks every day. I was watching the postman and six weeks later, didn't this beautiful letter come from Toronto? And she had been trying to find me and couldn't. And in, in the meantime, she'd had another daughter that knew all about me, but I, I didn't know about her. But the gist of it was, yeah. I went to Canada, they came here. I moved to Cork, they were here. They came here on holidays, I went to Toronto. It had a happy ending. So there are... You mean all of those endings. things were happening unbeknownst to each other, or are you saying that's what you do now that you found your birth mom? Which? Sorry? You're saying you went to Toronto, they came here. What? What... I'm, I'm just trying oh, to follow. When, when, when she sent the first letter yeah. that she had been looking for me and couldn't find me, she wasn't able to trace me. She was told, her mother had told her, well, what, what happened was things were very taboo back then. And she had had TB and there was um, a sanatorium in County Antrim that she had been put into. And there was a man there with TB as well. Well, number one, he was married, and number two, he was of a different religion. Yeah. And number three was they got together. So that was all very taboo. Okay, so your dad was a married was ma- was a married man. Yes. And in the in the sanatorium at the time, you you had no contact with with your your dad, no. No, I never, I never bothered looking for him at all. I just wanted to find my mother. And did she, and was she looking for you all the years that you were looking for her? Did she come to Ireland yes. looking for you at one stage? She did. She, oh she searched my. for me and stonewalled everywhere. So what was that reunion like? Oh, it's, it's, but listen, I drove from Belfast down to Shannon because she flew into Shannon. And the whole way down, I was sick. I had pains in my stomach. It was nerve-wracking. It really was. But, my God, it was so emotional. It was like, oh, you know, this this woman, I was 32 when I found her. I used to be dreaming about her, you know. Um, And there she was. And there I was. And we drove back up to Belfast, and she stayed with us for a few weeks. And she went back home. And then the next year, I went over there with all my little kids. In tow, a lot my husband and my children in tow, and off we went to Canada, and I met my sister, and it was a thing. After that, we we visited each other all the time. We were on the phone. We wrote to one another. You know, it was amazing. When you had when you had first met her, did you did you feel like you knew her, even though you didn't know her? No, you see, I didn't feel that I knew her at all. But I I had been, you know, Mark. It's a very you'll probably connect with this. I had never seen her. I never had pictures of her. I knew nothing. But I was so anxious to meet her. I suppose, really, with my two daughters, I was dying to know who looks like her, who is like her. You know, you know a genetic yeah. thing, I suppose. Um, Did it, you look it, like her? No. <laughs> no. 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 And I, I did ask her about right, my... I, sorry. Sorry, go on. I was just going to say, I think with me as well, it's obviously there's a lot of qualities that I have that would not relate to my dad or any other side of the family, but they're qualities that I know would be completely down to her. 
And, and if that's, that's anything to say, if that's anything to go by, just from listening to you and talking with you, um, just your voice and your delivery and everything, I think you've got. I think you've got wonderful, wonderful qualities, Mark. And if they came from your mother, deep down, she must have been a wonderful person, you know. Because you sound, I, I you know, you sound so. very empathetic. So. You seem, you sound, you know. I, I don't know. You seem to be kind of in touch with your emotions. You, you just sound to me as if emotionally you're a very nice person. Yes, he does. You know? Yeah. There's no anger. Mark, there's no bitterness. Think- there's no raging. Maybe, maybe you do all of that yeah. in private in your own time, and and who wouldn't? But you're just. I'm not saying there's kind of an acceptance there, but there's a realization that, you know, this is your life and you want it to be better. You know, it's, it's I don't yeah. know if that, I mean, I don't know what do the conversation with Geraldine, do you feel any better or any worse after that? No, I do, I do feel a lot better. It's, it's obviously the hope that I've had as well. It's, it's definitely after giving me like some there, sort there, of hope there or hope there, Mark, never let go of the hope because I, I, I tell you in the winter months I walked the streets of Bangor knocking on doors I'm sure people thought what is wrong with that one but it's, it's a thing you have inside you that needs to be looked at and, and you, you want answers don't you Mark yeah well, because yeah. I did as well I, I had talks with her why did you do it you know, why Why would you have done, and, and especially when she had another daughter nine years later. I Now, being truthful, I was very hurt about that. You kept her, but you didn't keep me. What What? What was that about? You know. Ah, uh, like, yes, but I bet you, Geraldine, she had an answer for that. Oh, she had an answer for everything. And listen, li- do you know what? Um, I, 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 I am so glad that I had the chance to meet her. And it did take me years to find her. And I, that's why I said to Mark, Mark, keep going. But didn't she, she probably, yeah. said, forgive me, I don't mean to put an answer into your mouth, but did she not say that it wasn't her decision, it was her mother's decision and that the Catholic it priest, was, the Catholic it, priest had a role to play in it? It was her, it was her mother's decision because she told me that because of the circumstances, right, that her mother said, uh, we're going to put you on the boat to Canada we're going to put the baby up into Nazareth Lodge, which was an orphanage in Belfast at the time, yeah. which I had contacted as well over the years, but they were gone and whatever. Um, and when all the talk has died down in the area, I'm going to go up and bring you back home. That never but, happened. But that didn't, no, they, the, my grandmother had signed for me to be adopted, yeah. How do you feel? How did how did you feel about your grandmother? I mean, you did meet her on the doorstep of a house. Oh, I met her, and I had tea there. I I called a few times to visit her because she was my grandmother, and I was very curious. And were well, you um, not angry with her though? I was angry that she had done that. Yes, I was. So not only to you, her granddaughter, but she banished her daughter from her home yes. and her country. She I mean, did. Think about like doing she, that to a son or a daughter. She really banished my mother because my grandmother told me nine years later she had my sister. And my mother, when I went to Canada, showed me a letter that she got from my grandmother when she had informed the grandmother she'd had another daughter. It was a vile letter and never again to set foot in Northern Ireland that she was no daughter of hers. Go away. Go away. 
Yeah. I mean, make a mistake once and get banished to a foreign country, but make a mistake twice and that's it. You're dead to me, you know? I can't, yeah. I just can't rationalise that kind of thought process from a mother no, or a not, father. No, not, not. Not but those are diff- there were different times, weren't they? Yeah. People were yes, worried were. about what the neighbours said. They were afraid yes. of the priest and all oh, the shame yes. of it all. Thank God we it don't was, do it, that anymore. It was the shame of it. That that that's exactly what it was. You know? Is your mother still alive, Geraldine? I tell you now, um, my mother got breast cancer and it went up into her brain. And there was only ever myself and my sister. And I flew over to Toronto and she was in a hospice and we were sitting on each side of the bed holding her hand and we stayed with her all during the night until she died. And it was a very emotional thing. But you know what, Neil? I would not change that for the world, you know? I think that's amazing as well. It is, yeah. I mean, you you tell a powerful story, Geraldine. So do you, Mark. God, wouldn't it be great if you were back on the air with an update or with a resolution mark sometime in the future? I do hope so, yeah. All right. Okay. Do you know, Neil, would you do something for me, Mark, if you're okay with this? Yeah, do anything. Yeah, you whatever give, I can. Yeah. Would you give Mark my phone number off, off air? Yeah. And Mark, if you ever want to meet up for a coffee and we can have a chat, or if you want to give me a buzz... But the reason I rang today was don't give up hope. Good stuff. Now, Mark's in Portugal, but you are in Cork, aren't you? So you can chat on the I phone am. anyway and you can, you know. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Ha- happy to do that. Mark, come back to me. Stay in touch, all right? If there's any updates and I'll be the same with you, okay? I will, of course. Thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. Take care. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. He's lovely, Geraldine, isn't he? He's just a lovely guy. Do you know what? Do you get that sense from the voice and you're just chatting with someone that they're lovely? Yes, I was listening to him and I thought, you know, if I just ring in and, and say, don't give up hope. It, it was just when he said, you know, he was 30 and I was thinking, well, I was 32. You know, there's still hope there. There's still hope there He's for him. He's only starting you know. on his search, in fairness. You know, yes. this is reasonably yes. early days for him. So absolutely don't give up hope, you know, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Powerful and, and story, though. Yeah. Emotional. I know his story is completely different, you know. But it, for anybody, you know, I would say to anybody, now my brother was adopted as well. And I said to him, and I found my mother, do you want me to trace your mom for you? And he said no. No, no. Absolutely, people differ in that regard. People differ in that yeah. regard. But for you, it was but very I, important. Listen, yeah. I'm delighted I have a whole family. Now my, my mother is dead. She died of cancer. My sister also is dead. So the family I have now over in Canada are my three nieces. Yes. But, but they're in contact with me all the time, and I have been over to them. And did you ever and marry, settle down, have children yourself? Me? Oh, yeah. Good. Yes. I, when, when I was looking for um, my mother, my husband drove me all around Bangor. I couldn't drive at the time. My husband drove me all around Bangor and he was sitting in the car while I was knocking on doors. And, you know, um, it, it was, it was a, a good few years that we were at that before I actually was able to, to get an address for her. Well done. Well done. And that was because we got, they, they got a young parish priest up there who was yeah, very modern yeah. in his outlook. You dealt first with an older priest who probably had the information 
possibly knew yeah. he had the information, but because of yeah. his age and the times that he was a priest, of course, his mindset hadn't changed in any regard. He was exactly. still he was still back there exactly. thinking that. But I persevered. Yeah, you did. Yeah, Fair I kept play. on. I I just I kept on, and it paid out for me. Now it takes its toll on you because it fills your head the whole time. You there's no space there for anything else because you're constantly thinking the whole time. It just. But you know, just finally, because I, I will move on. But you know, you said that you thought your mother was a princess and you lived in the castle and far away. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. D- did you live up to your expectations, or did you think, oh God, <laughs> she's not like. She's not like what I thought at all. (laughs) Well, she wasn't a princess at all, far from it. But she was a very hard-working woman. She held out a very responsible job in Toronto. You know, she had made a life for herself there. But when the first time I went over, she had held a big party in a hall. All her workmates, all her friends there, they all knew that she had a child that she'd put up for adoption. And she wanted them all to meet me. So it, uh, she never hid it. It no, was out there the no, whole no, time. No, no. You it know, was, it was it was as much a celebration for her as it was for you that reunification. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yes. Yeah. Great. And Thank she you. Same stuff over for the kids and everything yeah. at Christmas and their yeah. birthdays and oh, sure look, it it was a happy ending story. Yes, and again. Thank you so much for sharing it. Uh, perseverance paid off, and that's your message, isn't it? Well said. Thank you, it Geraldine. Is. Keep Thank going, you. Mark. Keep Thank going. Yeah. Mind yourself. Okay. Take care. Thanks, Neil. Thank you. Bye. Great stories. Uh, I really do hope that Mark gets uh, a resolution. I really do. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Yeah. Corks, Red FM. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Mark and Geraldine have swapped mobile numbers, so that's a good thing. Listen, I'm I, I smell sewage yesterday. I didn't know why. When people came into the house saying, oh, there's an awful smell around here, the whole Douglas area. I wondered what it was. And I saw in Cork Bio then last evening that somebody went and poured concrete into a drain on the South Douglas Road. Obviously, it solidified and it blocked the sewer. And, you know, when that happens, a huge block hardened concrete uh, blocks uh, a sewer pipe, then you know what happens. It just goes, sewage is going to go one way and that's up. So that's what happened. And uh, they had to put special cutting robots into the drain in Douglas to try and break up the cemented lump of solid concrete. Um, and uh, you may well have sw- smelt it. If you did, that's the reason why. Uh, the sewage from the area surrounding the South Link Ram comes to the South Douglas Road up to the centre shop and all that. So that was actually visible as well. It's not known yet where this concrete came from and, and who did it. But um, and they, they figure that it's most likely that they'll never find out. I, somebody obviously had more concrete than they needed, didn't know what to do with it, and just poured it down a sewer. I mean, it's moronic when you think of it. Uh, in fact, one of the councillors in the area, uh, Dan Boyle, said that it was nothing less than vandalism and somebody should be prosecuted if they can be found. don't know whether the guardie are involved in that, but certainly council workers had to move quite quickly. Imagine all the emergency services were involved in it, and that was from yesterday. So if you were wondering what the smell was, well, that was it. Somebody poured liquid concrete, concrete, which hardened, down a sewer drain. Free Food Friday, lads. Your opportunity to scoop lunch for 15 or more of you, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. First bunch of shout-outs. Morning to Pat, to Niall and Paddy, all the lads in Bishopstown uh, working away with Kevin McAllen, McAllen Builders, who work in Bishopstown in Duns at the moment. Love some free food. The Weight Wellbeing Clinic in Mallow, which share it with clients and friends. Blue Coast Skip Hire are listening. Pro Valley and Mallam Maham Pointer listening as well. Always are. 
morning to all of the gang. I know some of the guys down there. Um, everybody at the Irish Guide Dogs for the Blind on the Model Farm Road. Morning, Sylvia. Working hard on a beautiful, sunny Friday morning. Northside Glass in the Old Mallow Road. The Puffin Ward are also listening at the CUH. Tusla at St. Finbar's Hospital. Morning, Gemma. Um, everybody at Broderick's Chemist on Barrick Street. Uh, Atlantic Flight Training Academy at Cork Airport are hungry flying planes and working up a hunger everybody at uh, transport in Ballyvalan the hungry lads love feeding Cork South Lee HSC are listening as well morning to Megan uh, Sigma Homes are working away out in the magazine road Murray Properties listen every day thank you morning to you all everybody at the Dean Hotel who are listening this morning and the dental hospital in the CUH West Building Products in Carrigaline Walsh's Chemist in Shandon Street Cork Airport Business Park is the home of many many people but good morning to Emer and Nell and Danielle working in the office at the Cork Airport Business Park. It's a massive place. Kelhurst and McCroom and finally Pat Hegarty Sales in Toker. So text who you are and where you are. Text 0868 104 106. Lunch awaits at least 15 of you and it will be a selection of starters consisting of chicken wings, chicken skewers and beef skewers. Uh, skewers. The main event then will be uh, chicken wraps, chicken pittas and beef burgers with the... Uh, famous piri piri sauce uh, the sides include piri salted fries rice and waffle fries piri mayo garlic piri mayo and then you build your own cheesecake for dessert so there's good feeding of this at least 15 of you perhaps more courtesy of ourselves in roosters piri piri douglas and blackpool retail park and online at roosterspiripiri.com so more shout outs in about half an hour's time now i want to appreciate everybody who gets in touch and i want to appreciate everyone even more who's waiting a long time to get on air and amongst them patrick patrick good morning Neil, how are you? I'm good. Now, you heard the conversations I've had there with the likes of, uh, you know, my callers just a few minutes ago, Mark and indeed Geraldine. Um, I did. Pr- it prompted your call. Go ahead. Well, ba- well, basically, first of all, anyway, just uh, what I want to say to you there is that um, not everything always works out the way people, you know, like obviously that girl had a happy ending and stuff like that. But just make callers aware that, like, I mean, it's not always a good ending to every story, you know. I mean, you watch long lost families there and I mean, that's all showing the good stories, but it never shows the other side of it because they're a multi-million pound corporation that can actually do this sort of stuff. But anyway, cut a long story short. Yeah, deep pockets as well. You deep pockets a lot of the time, yeah. 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 yeah, they have, you know, yeah. and I mean, they can find stuff that the, the normal person can't. But I was born in Besba, yeah, in 67. And um, basically the situation being through many, through the years, always with them trying to find out information about, I was adopted, Terry, that should uh, should say that first. Um, and like, it was always, oh, we know nothing, we know nothing, we know nothing, and contact this priest, contact that priest. And nobody ever had any answers, no family methods, no nothing, you know? Yeah, no, no family, but, but, but to, you know, I hate interrupting, but uh, before the story moves no, on sorry. a bit, but d- did you did you get in touch with the nuns in Besbrot? Did you reach out to Tusla, yeah, the HSC, St. Yeah, St. St. Stephen's yeah. Hospital? Yeah. Lamar, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I was invited in. The nuns sat down and spoke to me and everything inside in Besbra. Said they knew absolutely nothing, that they couldn't give any details whatsoever, that they didn't have anything and stuff like that. But it was just all a load of lies. Do you know what I mean? And then I went, if you remember, the records were passed over to Tusla. Yes, I do, yeah. In St. Stephen's Hospital. And I had appointments with Tusla down there. And uh, basically, I didn't have any information because I wasn't being, I wasn't able to get any from anywhere. And they turned around and said to me that basically, no, they knew nothing and blah, 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 that went on. 
so eventually you come to a stage where you say to yourself, OK, right, I'm not, how am I going to find anything out here? Because nobody is willing to tell me anything. And a couple, about a couple of years later, I got a phone call from Tuzla. And a friend of mine actually came with me down to St. Stephen's Hospital. And I walked in the door of St. Stephen's Hospital and uh, in, into the two slopses. And um, I claimed going back about seven, eight years ago, whatever it was. And uh, they said to me that um, we have news on your mum. So I'm standing there with, uh, obviously, as you can imagine, with my mouth open going, wow. And they said, she's dead. Right. And I went, sorry? And they said, she's dead. And I goes, but I said, I thought she knew absolutely nothing about my mum and nobody knew nothing about my mum from the start and whatever well, we did, but we couldn't tell you because of such and such a law or this law or whatever anyway. So the girl proceeded to tell me anyway about that she had died and stuff like that. And... um so I uh, I said, what was her name? And uh, she said, Bridie. And then obviously she, she went out of the room and I just, she left the file on the table. I picked it up, saw the last name Stapleton. And then it went from there. Right. Okay. That I had so now you had a name. tracing a Bridie. Yeah. Okay. And, had you, had you um, a birth cert? Nothing. Right. Okay. Okay. So, and, so um, even your, your, pa- your parents through adoption, they had no birth cert for you either. No, not a, not a, not a watch call. It wasn't something that they would really wanted to talk about. Like, my mum just died in January, so, I mean, like, that's why I can make this call now, because I wouldn't like her to be alive listening. To I understand. Now. But, like, can you even apply for a passport? Not a birth cert. Well, I have my passport under my adoption. I mean, I had a fantastic adoption. Like, my okay. parents were fabulous. Okay. okay. Oh, no, I'm not disputing that. Of course and they I were. They loved you. Yeah, you know they what loved I mean? you. They did. They loved you. Oh, yeah, I had a fantastic life. I had a fantastic mum, fantastic dad. And never wanted for anything and so had no, a great life. No, you had a bri- you, God, you know? Yeah, you had a Bridie Stapleton name. What did you do next? That's what I had. Well, okay. So what I'd done was I uh, started trawling through uh, death records in the UK and um, uh, different things like that, you know. And um, during the conversation, I had a friend with me and he said to me, he said, I, I think he said during your conversation with that girl from Tusla, she mentioned something about America, which I hadn't heard. And uh, so I said, fine, and, and we went on to, what you call it, then went on to all the newspapers in the inn. We tried, obviously, the Irish places first. And as I said, cutting a long story short, I traced a death of a bridey Stapleton, me classy, um, in Boston in in the year she died, we say seven, eight years ago. Okay. And um, figured out when that she was from Cork, got all the details from it. And when you have a name, I don't know whether you're aware that there is a site you can go on once you have a name of a person in the States and it'll give you all their family records and it'll give you their family, nieces, nephews, uh, sons. There's a site you can do that. That's a powerful and, tool um, because uh, th- there's nothing yeah. like that here. There's, uh, I'm going through something yeah. similar at the moment with my wife's grandmother from her death in 1920. Yeah. Uh, and th- the best you can do is pay money to join all of these different websites. No, and this is free, Neil. No, I know that. But even those websites, I have to say, they're quite vague in, 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 in the power of... They are, uh, yeah. Their, you know, in what they claim but to have. But it depends have. on how determined you are then as well, you know. Right, so you had all of this and information. Not, you're not determined, sorry. I don't mean no, it in a bad way, it's, you know. It's a very, very slow, laborious process trying to find it where is. someone is buried. Well, I've done it in 48 hours. I'm amazed at that. So what did you do and then when I you found that, 
you know, that... Okay, I traced, um, when I had all the, the, the details and got onto the newspaper and found out basically, uh, you must realise now when the debt is actually on the paper, it's also giving her husband's name, her son's name, because as you know yourself, missed by, uh, sadly missed by her husband, Michael, and, yeah. and her two sons, Michael okay. and Sean. Yeah. Yeah. And their surname, Clarity, and then it gives you of such and such a place in. I have in enough, yeah, I have enough detail there without giving me any more. That's fine. So, did you reach yeah. out to them? I did. <laughs> and they, they got shut down. <sighs> and anyway, I came back and I figured out that. Did you go um, over? No. Okay. Try to shut down from the start. Yeah, okay. No, yeah, okay. Okay. And but eventually, once I had all that powerful information, information, as I said, went back to Tusla, found out she was from Macroom, County Cork, right, and traced um, her sister in Macroom, County Cork, myself by going down to Macroom and, and nosing around, and eventually found her sister, which which led me to her sister being dead, and I found cousins and stuff like that. Met them; they were absolutely lovely, and it figured out right. Here's the funny part now, Neil. Right, about twenty years ago that my mum, my birth mother, came to Ireland, went to the Besborough, oh, went to God. the different organisations and said she wanted to meet me. Oh, man. And what, what was she told? That they, they couldn't give her the information without contacting me, which they never did. And no one got in touch with her, even though they would have had a Nobody record, got, of, they would tried, have had a record tried, of your adoption. Yeah, but would have that she always had to do was go back down to Besborough and they would they, they had I had been in there numerous times with them and left letters with them if she ever tried to contact that this this is where I am. And they do they wouldn't give her anything. So yeah. she died not knowing. Were you searching for her? This is twenty years ago. Yeah, were, were both you searching, searching at the same time. At the so you've been searching all of those years. And she's searching. She's yeah. actually well, in Cork. She's actually in Cork at one stage from Boston, in Cork, looking for you. Yeah, on holiday. She had a sister in McCroom. Right. And you're in Cork as well. She's looking for you. She comes yeah. from Boston. She's in Cork. You're in Cork yeah. looking for her. God almighty, that's yeah. so tragic. But it's tragic in the fact of what, who's the power of Tuesland, the power of um, Besborough that they had, that they could actually keep their records and not share them with her, not share them with me, and knowing the two people trying to connect with each other. At the same and time. Stop it. I mean, that's just wrong. Oh my God, that is so sad. So they deprived me from um, meeting my birth mum and stuff like that. Then she had passed away, so the only re- the only uh, relatives I had was cousins in McCroom, and they've been lovely, you know what I mean? So I can't... Okay. Have you? T- did I mean, you? Did I'm, you? Did you travel to Boston? Is there a grave? Or? No, no. There is, yeah, but no, I didn't. Not when I got the what you call it. Not when I got shut down straight away. Okay, it's not something that you're just going to go down to Boston or fly over to Boston and look at a grave and stuff like that. And look, it's 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 sort of like saying, you know, how do I describe this without being sounding horrible? It sounds sort of like going to see a grave of somebody you don't know, never met, was never your mum, never anything. But I mean, okay, is your birth mum, but. I, I know, but was I, fulfilled where my mum was concerned in Ireland and I didn't need to go see a grave if that makes any sense yeah no it makes perfect sense to me because to some extent of course there is some happiness in this uh, or at least happiness to be able to acknowledge that she was looking for you it's it's tragic like two ships passing in the night but she was looking yeah, for you and they stopped it yeah yeah and they stopped it 
and that's the hard part where like we say for example I mean I was thinking about your chat that you're done was it Mark is it? Mark yeah yeah, I mean, every, like, everything, there's, everywhere there's a footstep, and that's what prompted the call, that, you know, in the UK, it was very popular there in the 90s and stuff like that, you, you can change your name by depot. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, there's lots of things that, like, I mean, I know his family is shutting him down and stuff like that, but there is other ways in through councils and through different things like that, and if he was a singer at the start, you know, I mean, there, there is different ways of finding out different bits and pieces which will eventually get you to where you want to go to. Yeah, because the only thing you you don't know is why your mum or who sent your mum to Besbra, the yeah. reasons behind that, they're unanswered, of course, yeah. Well, I well, I mean, look, I mean, all I had was the information that my cousins gave me in McCroom that basically she had a baby, she, and and she wasn't young; she was twenty nine when she had me. Mm. Did they tell you so, why? I mean, she wasn't a young mum. Did they tell you they, why? They Bez, girl was back in nineteen sixty seven. Oh, a twenty nine year old single girl. Yeah, twenty nine yeah. year old single girl, shame, and the family banished out to America. That's yeah, that's it. Oh yeah, have the baby and go to America. Yeah. Oh, and go to and get out of get out of Ireland and head off to America. Got married in America and stuff like that. And you know, it's, it, it, there's a lot more to the story, but I don't want to bore you with it. So I mean, you know, the, it's just that just to anybody who does reach out, I mean, just realise like, and I'm not trying to come across as horrible here, but I mean, like, there's not a happy ending to every story that everybody has to dream. You need to prepare yourself that when you reach the end of your journey, that it could just be a blank no. Okay. Now you could have the happiest story in the world okay. and meet your mum and stuff like that girl did and I'm delighted for her but it's not all pretty pictures like I know it's tragic that she was looking for you in the same city that you were looking for her yeah well it's that's the state's fault yeah I know I know listen uh, thanks for sharing anyway, the story Patrick thank you so much and you've been no, very patient waiting time. thanks so much take care Back after 11, text 0868 I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves in Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So text or WhatsApp who you are and where you are to 086-8104-106. Morning to everybody listening at Dearmont Construction, to uh, Linda and everybody at Anglesey Street Garda Station, to the Platelets Clinic in St. Finbar's Hospital and the life-saving donors who donate blood. Morning to Rachel, to everybody at the Park Park in Ballinahina, Rockwell Engineering, Northside Tires, Oliver Hayes Gardening Services in Bandon, Tui in the Wilton Shopping Centre, Lillian and Caroline, Louise, Carly and Hannah, morning all. Bridgewater Homes in Rathcormark, everybody listening at the HSSD Department of the Bonds, Blockwall Developments in Kerry Pike, uh, Power Aggregates are listening in Carrick Tools, Smurfit Kappa are listening, Ross Creedon Haulage, Feelings on Bakers Road, Hungry Staff, the Dispatch Team in Roadstone, Spar at Sarsfield Road in Wilton, uh, the HEP G department who are listening uh, this morning and also congratulate uh, Betty Cullinan's retirement she leaves today after many years of service and dedication. Everybody at ECI JCB, Joe's Edge Hair Salon Summerhill Construction everybody at Little Earners in Cove FDC Accountants in Wellington Road Rochestown Park Hotel, AP Vaughan Recycling, Mayfield Sports Complex Keto Products in Glanton and the flight services, worldwide flight services at the cargo terminal at Cork Airport are listening and the funniest one so far is Dino's Accounts and HR Department. Dino's 
looking for roosters food. That's a new one on me. Um, well, <laughs> what did you all? You would think working in Dino's accounts and HR department that Dino's would give you a small little badge, you know, like a loyalty card or a gold card saying unlimited Dino's food for all staff for life. <laughs> Clearly not. <laughs> anyway, keep them coming. Text who you are and where you are to 0868 106. Back to the phone lines we go. Finbar, good morning. Is that Neil? It is. Good morning to you, Finbar. Thank you for holding. No problem. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Now, it's amazing the different stories and the different machinations of stories. A son looking for a mother, a mother looking for a son, a daughter looking for a dad. And in your case, a different scenario and a different picture to paint. Will you paint it for us, please? I will. Um, Actually, it was my daughter. Uh, She's 31. She's going to be 32 next week. Um, She found me. Um, Very... Not peculiar, but just, just out of the blue, I got a phone call from my cousin uh, almost two years ago now, and he was doing a family tree, and he registered with uh, Ancestry.com, and all of a sudden, he gets these connections, and one was this girl from Claire, um, and she contacted him, and he showed up as being a second cousin to her. Right. She, was spent, she spent years looking for her father, and she was conceived in Toronto. Her mother uh, moved home when she got pregnant. Um, she was going out with someone from up the country that moved home as well, but not with her. She moved home for we don't know what reason and never told anyone uh, about me, we'll say. Okay. But always thought it was the other gentleman that was the father. It, that the dad was the chap that she was with who, came, who she came back, who she came back to, to, came back to Ireland or moved to Ireland? She went, she's from Clare. She moved back to Ireland. She didn't move back okay. with him. He moved back about 10 years later, but she right. always assumed it was him. She assumed he was um, the father of the child, but she had been... With you? Uh, allegedly. <laughs> uh, I, I don't remember. Yeah, that's my point. You have no recall. I know what you're saying. Yeah. None whatsoever. And wow. my cousin contacted me and he said, look, I gave her your... your I, I said, uh, he has two cousins in Toronto and he'll contact me and if I want to talk to her, he'll give me her number. So I actually phoned her right away. And I said, look, I don't recall. I... I I'll phone my brother to see if he has any recollection and we'll, we'll try and help you sort this out. Amazing, isn't it? My brother. You said to her, I don't remember the night. I don't remember the woman. No recall. No. It's astonishing. And I phoned the said woman. She lived in Spain. And um, she, she said, yeah. We, I knew, and she mentioned people I knew. She mentioned a fellow from Claire that I am actually very friendly with okay. in Toronto. Okay. okay. And she said, no, she, we did Okay, I, I don't want to dwell on that too much for obvious personal yeah. private reasons to all of the people concerned. So you got a phone call out of the blue from a 13-year-old woman, 31-year-old woman. 31-year-old woman. Well, I phoned her, actually. Yeah. I got a phone call from my cousin and I phoned her. Okay, okay. But what was your reaction? Well, actually very nonchalant. I was actually driving. I was driving home from work uh, on the 401 in Toronto and... I just thought she's a lovely accent and she sounded very cheer, chirpy and I, we actually had a few, we were laughing on the first phone call and I, I was confident it wasn't me confident because you know certain things you do remember but I did I didn't phone my brother and he had no recollection so we both did our DNA test through ancestry.com yeah and there was I I didn't tell my wife at first, and, but it, it ate away at me. So one day I drove home in the middle of the day, crying my eyes out. And I said, look, I have to tell you this. I don't want to have a secret from me. And she was brilliant about it. She said, that was, that was 30 years ago. I didn't know you for 10 years later. That's right. Yeah, fair play to her. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. She was very good. So and, um, what, did, what, yeah. what happened next? Well, what happened next? The result came in, <laughs> and I have a video tape. One of my workers was with me in the in the truck, and I stopped when I was opening the email from ancestry.com, crying my eyes out again. <laughs> and um, it was positive, and it showed me as her father, and I contact her right away, and. It was just brilliant. It, uh, I, before, like it was in the middle of the pandemic. Um, I remember before I got the news, I texted my sister here in Bancolic, and I said, "Am I crazy? I actually want it to be me." <laughs> and she said, "No, you're not crazy." She said, "Even if it's not you, this girl will have a wonderful father, my brother, and a wonderful uncle. She wins both ways." And it was me, and we contacted each other, and we FaceTimed a couple of days later, and I tell you, it was it was. It was as if we knew each other for years. We both said the same thing. Did she look alike in any way? Um, she looks like my oldest daughter. She's very like her. She's the same facial um, uh, features as my oldest daughter. Uh, now you were in Canada at the time. Um, yeah. Were you living yeah. there, was it? Oh, I've been living there for 35 years now. All right. You're still there? Yeah. Am I talking to you now from Canada? No, no, I'm here in Bank College. Okay, so you're on halls or something, is it? I'm on two weeks, and she's actually on the road down to Seals right now, as we speak. So when you met, okay, the FaceTime is one thing, but when you actually met up, yeah. what was that like? How did that happen? It happened in Toronto. Um, she, had, she, she had two aunts in Toronto, who I actually know for the last 30 years, kind of just to talk to say hello to. Um, I know them for 30 years. And she stayed with one aunt. She had to isolate for two weeks, and then we met outside Starbucks coffee shop. So and she had was, two was, aunts in Toronto. Would be yeah. your her mother's sisters. Um, yeah. And you also knew them all those years. It gets better than that. She, uh, this girl, uh, I won't say her name in case she gets mad at me. Um, <laughs> she she lived in Toronto for a year um, when she was twenty. Your it's daughter. Quite possible we met. Yeah, yes, it's quite possible we met because she knows a good friend of mine from Clare. <laughs> That's and amazing. There's not too many Irish pubs. Yeah. There's a few. Oh. I mean, there'd be the Rose and Crown. There'd be uh, Windsor, the uh, McVeigh's Windsor House. Did you ever go down there? I did. Yeah. Um, but the, the pub, uh, my in-laws own um, a pub out in the West End. The, the Galway Arms at the Irish pub. Right, okay. There's a few, all right. And, um, yeah. She and she even was there. She even said I was in that pub. So, it, it, <laughs> <laughs> so that's amazing, isn't it? What's well, amazing? I, like I, I, I was saying to my sister, you could write a book about this. There's, there's films that are made about stories like this. Yeah. And have you met up often? No, we met. Um, I came over a few months ago. Um, she was heading off. She works remotely in, from other countries. Um, okay. So she yeah. works online. Yeah. So she, she, she was moving away for six months. So I came over about three months ago to see her. And she's, she flew over now this weekend to see us. It says here in the text that she's coming to Cork today and will meet all of the extended family. Yep. She's on the road right now. Yeah. So she'll meet your other three children and things like that. Yeah. Oh, no, she's met them. <laughs> she's met, met them in Toronto. <laughs> That's amazing. It's amazing. So when I heard you talking to the man Mark from Portugal, I, I just thought I should phone in to tell him and the other woman from um, up north 
that there is hope. And maybe I think he should go on to Ancestry.com. You never know who might be searching for who or who found who. Well, I find that very sad, actually. The people who ha- were the son searching for a mother, the mother searching for a son, both of them at the same time, doors being shut to them, files not being shared, mother dies and yeah. son is left carrying the... You know, yeah, the yeah. unanswered well, questions and the unfinished. Story. Country, it? it did happen, yeah, it did, it did. Yeah. There's an amazing book actually called uh, Besbra: Three Women, Three Decades, Three of Their Stories of Courage. Uh, it's a book by a girl called Deirdre Finnerty. I hope I get an opportunity to chat with her next week. I read the book during the week. Uh, she takes a young girl who fell pregnant in the 60s, another in the 70s, and another in the 80s, and she shares their three stories. A very powerful book uh, on, on Besbra. But in, in your own case, um, you would have left very young to go to live and work in Canada. Was that the case? Yeah, I was 20. Yeah, yeah. 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 But that and, would have been what, like the 80s? Yeah, late 80s, 87. And um, this woman left Canada uh, in 89. So, so you went to was, Toronto uh, the same time I did then, right in the middle of a bad recession when there was... Yes. Ridiculous yeah. unemployment and no money. And what did you do then when you went well, there? Well, I was labouring. I, actually, I was brought over by my boss from Galway. He was running one of the football teams and he was kind of looking for a few footballers as well as stonemason. So he got me over there as a stonemason and uh, I was only going for a few months. But, you know, one thing leads to another. Job is going good. You meet lots of new people, new experiences. And um, I didn't. I came home for Christmas, but then I went back again. And it just kept going, and he encouraged me to become an apprentice, which I did. He encouraged me to become a foreman, which I did. And I have my own small little company now. And unfortunately, he died last week, yeah. this fella. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it's funny how things, one slight decision could change your whole life. You need a leg up, don't you, when you go overseas. It's great to have someone who's got your back and to help you along and get you started and point you in the right direction, yeah? You do. Well, what did you do there? Re- well, brother. <laughs> I went out to do radio, but for about the first six or seven months, I couldn't get a kick in a stampede. I worked in a lot of pubs, actually. I worked in a lot did of you? pubs. Yeah, I did in Toronto. And uh, I made decent money there and eventually got a break then after about six or seven, just hanging out with other DJs and radio people. They got me a break in a radio station way up north in Kirkland Lake, little gold mining town. Yeah. And I started from there and worked my way through different stations back down into bigger markets. You know that kind of way? Um, but a buddy of mine Sean Curtin when I went out there first he was living in Canada for years and he was home and I met him for the very first time in my life in the chateau in the back bar of the chateau with some pals they were saying to him Neil is going to Toronto next week and of course I had nowhere to live nothing he took the key off his key ring right and he handed it to me and he says I'm going to be away because I'm going to be in Mexico and South America for three months here's my apartment here's the address use that and that set me up then for life and the rest of it was history so you know well, what I'm the, saying the, when you need someone to point you in the right direction? Absolutely. And as long as you take that uh, bit of advice or, or help, you know, the, the Irish are the best in the world for that. Unbelievable. Like that. So many people. Oh, they give you anything, especially in a farm country. Imagine but, a guy yeah, doing that, like, here's the key of my apartment. I won't be there for three months. You can have it. I was set yeah. up. Jeez, that was a fantastic yeah. start. And then I hung out with Irish people and Canadians. And did you ever drink in the Duke of Kent? I did. Yeah. 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 Tell me this. Tell me. It seems to me as if every crane and every piece of construction in the whole wide world has been moved to Toronto. What's going on? Oh, it's unbelievable. Like I have a small masonry company. It's only four of us, but uh, like I, I have a very big name now in in that, that specific site, uh, type type of work. 
Um, but we can't get workers. We can't get the qualified workers. And this, Toronto is becoming so popular, like they're just building and building. Building like mad. I was there three weeks ago. I've never seen so much construction. It's insane. It's insane. And we can't keep up. And, you know, fellas are jumping from one company to another because they might get a, a dollar an hour um, raise or just entice them to leave the company you're in. It's, it's insane. I, I know the, the owner of the biggest company in the city, the masonry company, I, I worked with him for 20 years, and he's the same thing. He has 200 employees, and he said he could do 200 more. And can people come? Is it possible for construction and people in the trades just to move from here? Mm, you, well, you can get a work permit for a year. And, and, and like I'm sponsoring a young fellow from Scotland. Um, it's taken almost a year to get the process done, and he got his papers, uh, I think, last week. But it, it, yeah, I think it's easy enough to get a work permit for a year or two, but then to get permanent is another process. That's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm glad that you thrived and went from strength to strength. You tell a beautiful story. I hope you have a wonderful reunification yet again with your daughter later on today. I hope so, and I hope we've got to them. And lots more in the future. Lovely chatting you with yeah. Finbar. Thanks for taking the call. Thank you very much, Neil. All the best. All the best, pal. Take care. The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Okay, we're going to do the last batch of uh, Free Food Friday shout-outs in about seven or eight minutes' time. Don't forget, we have more family passes for wonderful tourist attractions right across the county to give away this side of midday. So that and lots more. And also our visit yesterday to Maham Point Shopping Centre. But just ahead of that and all other business then, we'll pick it up on Monday. Uh, please God. Anne, good morning. Hi, Neil. You're How very you? upset now yourself and your... What's yeah. your husband's name? Billy, isn't it? Billy, yeah. Okay. We're absolutely in a terrible, terrible state. I know, I know, I know. You know, I know. because we're only minding her and she only came to us last night. No, okay. And we're, okay. we're all around the city. We're after being everywhere. I know you have. Hold on now. Okay. Don't get... Don't overly upset yourself now. You're minding your son's dog because he's he on right. is he on holidays? Is it or what? He is went he? on holidays last night, and he said, "Mind my dog," and of course you would do. Yeah, absolutely. And this morning, Billy takes the pug Katie for, for a walk. For a walk, yeah, and he was just across the road from from where we're living by Farn Ferris, and she got out of her harness, and she ran. And she got a tip off. Off of she 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 ran, and he tried to catch her, and we couldn't. And we're looking for her since. And did she get a? Did she get hit by a car? She didn't get actually hit by a car. It just tipped her, you know. But she ran off. She seemed to be okay, but he couldn't. He ran after her, and she we, we just can't find her now. And we're in an awful state. Oh my God, I can understand. She was seen down by Murphy's Chipper, you know, in Gerald Griffin Street. But that's the only sighting we got of her. She's fawn-coloured. But I, I, a pug, but I'm thinking, did somebody bring her in or, you know, a something? Fawn a kind of, fawn is kind of goldy, yellowy pug, yes, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a pug is a small dog, isn't it? Yeah, very yeah. small. And is there any chance that she's a very smart dog and went to your son's house? <laughs> Absolutely not. She's only a year and four months and she they treat her like a baby. Absolutely not. She's a host dog, you know. Do they know that she's missing? No. No, you know, we're in a terrible I know, place. you feel awfully responsible, don't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're, we're devastated and we don't know where to turn to know where anything, you know. Yeah, and have you been out and about in the car, walking the roads? We're, we're walking, walking. Uh, my sisters and my brother and I driving. We're after 
at driving and walking. Okay. So so Katie got off the lead at Farron Ferris College, came yeah. down the hill, was spotted at Murphy's and Chipper and Blackpool. Yeah. That's yeah. the only sighting we have of her. Yeah, yeah. So she was in and around the Gerald Griffin Street area then. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, son, there's an awful lot of people from that part of the parish that listen to this program. You'd never know there who might be listening indeed. right now. She's she a nervous indeed. little dog, I hear. Is that right? Well, well, she'd be very nervous now, you know, because she's actually not used to us. And like, for this to happen, or then it's, it's uh, you know, I don't even want to think about it. Don't think about it. Just hope for the best. That's all yeah, you can do at this stage. We're just hoping and praying that somebody has her. Okay, okay. So what time was the, 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 the sighting at Murphy's Chipper? Um, I'm not sure. I think it was about a quarter past nine, was it? Yeah, maybe, yeah, quarter past nine, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. So Katie is only about a year and a half old. Small little <laughs> fawn-coloured pug. Um yes. What else do we need to know? She got a she got a lead. And sorry, she got um, a collar on. She hasn't because it's actually a harness. You know that that's what she was walking okay. with, and she got out of she got out of that. Okay, okay, all right. So we need people to be on red alert. Maybe somebody already has spotted Katie the pug in the Blackpool area, or who knows, she may have moved from that area. This is only in the last couple of hours, so that's we need people. We need people if they see her. Be okay to approach her like she wouldn't snap or anything. Oh no, no, no. Yeah. No. Okay. She she'd probably be very frightened now as well, you know. She would be. Yeah. I know you feel very responsible, you know, minding oh, the absolutely. dog for your son or what have you, but also we you know, we want the safety of the dog is paramount at this stage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is there anything else I need to know? No. No, that's I don't all think I can so. think of now. Okay. All right, well, let's see who's listening, who might have spotted something or who will keep an eye out now in that general area to see if they spot Katie the pug. They'll get in touch with me and I'll get in touch with you, okay? Neil, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Okay, let's see what happens. All right, Anne, take care for now to you and to Billy. Hang in there. So Katie was out this morning with Billy, got off the, the harness around Farron Ferris College. There was a spotting at Murphy's Chipper, Joel Griffin Street. She's very upset, obviously, and feels responsible. as son's dog, minding the dog while the son's on holidays, and they dote on the dog. So a fawn-coloured pug under two years of age, small little thing, um, if you've spotted the dog, or if you are in a place now where you might even see the dog, will you ever walk up to the dog and secure the dog and keep the dog safe and give me a text Oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Okay, free free food Friday. Last bunch of shout outs for now for everybody for all of the crew of the K Paula fishing boat fishing out of y'all this morning. For Sean O'Leary Groundworks at Forge Lane and Kildinen are listening. Dental Options are listening this morning. High Street Books on the South Douglas Road. Miss Designer Golf in Blackpool. Dean's Civils on the Glashine Road. Loving the sun, working hard. Kilsaran Quarries in Ovens. ERA Downey McCarthy. Uh, Powerboat Cork are listening in Monkstown. Feed the hungry participants and instructors. Pets Plus Grooming Studios in Formoy, Stanta in Blackpool, the South Infirmary Porters, the Eye Clinic in the CUH, Irish Removals in Bishopstown, uh, EMH Technical Services, uh, Horgan's Garage in Kerry Pike, EMH, I did that one already, um, everybody at R&R Tires in Ballincollig, and this one here from Specsavers at Market Green in Middleton, Jill and all of the girls. So we'll pick a winner for Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves, and Roosters Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park in about 10 minutes time. 
Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Have you heard the one about Paddy the Irishman walks into a museum? Probably not, but uh, it's a story that makes the mail today. There is um, an Irish emigration museum somewhere. I have no idea. Um, and they've decided that they needed to come up with a typical Irishman, or at least they put out a challenge to people. Uh, and then they looked at all sorts of um, Google search engines on different things that people ask along the lines of the Irish are known for what? And they got like 85 million uh, search results for drinking. They got 73, 78 million search results for fighting. They got 67 million search results for potatoes. They got 27 million search results for drunks. They got 7 million uh, search results for temper and they got half a million search results for holding grudges so they decided then to build a character who would look like that all right and they did and they called him Paddy McFlaherty um, and Paddy has a big belly he has red hair he has a beard he wears a I love spuds t-shirt he holds a beer in one hand and in the other hand is all bandaged and blood-stained uh, and it's a kind of a green jersey and he's an ugly looking critter I have to say in spite of all of that but they say they did it to to debunk the stereotypical Irishman but, and there's a photograph of him as well uh, Paddy McFlaherty um, and he's in a museum in the Irish Immigration Museum I don't know whether to be happy or sad about that I don't know whether to take it as a compliment or not but there it is nonetheless uh, text 0868104106 for all of the business we'll pick up on various conversations on Monday my apologies my apologies to anyone who's been in touch we got to a single email or text this morning but yesterday we legged it down to Maham Point for one o'clock and we invited the good people of Cork and listeners to this programme to come down and get some ice creams and also challenge them to try and beat Ireland's largest ice cream which is the 12 inch big boy above in County Meath it can be done it can be done we took over Oodle's ice cream bar in the shopping centre yesterday afternoon everybody was so kind we had two huge ice cream machines pulling cones of different flavours vanilla strawberry chocolate I think there was even a frozen yogurt one. So we had those. We had boxes of cones. Uh, we had um, a whole, I don't know, I mean, 15 or 20 different containers of toppings and what have you. Uh, we had ice cream ex- experts working for Oodles. We had oodles and oodles of listeners queuing of all ages yesterday for ice creams and to take on the challenge. And most importantly, I suppose of all, well, not more important than the ice cream, but for yesterday's event, equally important was... A measuring tape. Name. Veronica Walsh. Veronica, and uh, tell me how big did your ice cream measure in the end? Just over seven inches, Just I think. It's quite well, brilliant. Was it as hard as you thought it was going to be? No, and I'm going to enjoy every mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> Fair play, you girl, you earned it. Well done. Uh, Marlene. Uh, Rory. Amelia. Saoirse. Okay, I'm going to start with Amelia and Saoirse, guys. Was it as hard as you thought it was going to be? No, uh, no not exactly. 
No, in what way wasn't it quite as hard? Do you think it was going to be more difficult, yeah? Yes, I thought it was going to go faster. <laughs> what was the size in the end? Did you get to measure it? I didn't get to measure it, but it was hard for mom's anyway. <laughs> so tell us, uh, you're queuing up to do the challenge. Do you think it looks hard? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it'll be harder than it looks. Okay. Hardest thing since the junior search. <laughs> A lot of people are saying it's going to come out faster than they expected. So what's the plan of attack? Are we going swirls or are we going no well, swirls? Strong base, I think, and then just like work it up, like get the height, you know? Okay. Yeah, like try and keep it centered, not like go off course, you know? Yeah. You need a big foundation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> try to keep it stable. Okay, the double entendres are coming in here. I don't know if I can deal with this. Um, and come here, do you think you can beat the record? record is 13 inches. Do you think you can do it? No, not. <laughs> no. I'm going to try and be positive, but honestly not. <laughs> yes, because I have willpower. What's your name? Eileen. Eileen. And Eileen, how did you get on? I got on fine, but I don't know what size it went up so high and then it collapsed. It all collapsed on you. It needed a stronger foundation. I needed a stronger foundation. <laughs> I might give it another go in a minute. And is the ice cream good? Beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. And have you been, have you, are you a 99 fan? Are you a big 99 fan? Oh, I love it. Especially with the bar of chocolate inside it. <laughs> Debbie, how'd you get on? Uh, about five inches. <laughs> but come here, it was going grand and then it all just collapsed in on you. Well, I think I think it started drinking at the end and got drunk. <laughs> Definitely. So, come here to me, it was going so well, what happened? I don't know. You were you were you were absolutely flying it and you were it was really stable and then all of a sudden Yeah. Um I don't know. That was shaky. As hard as, hard as the junior sir. Worse than the Irish paper. <laughs> this man's the expert. What's your own name? Oh, Tom Murphy. Tom and you're the expert here, you've done it before, haven't you? I have you've done a lot. I know he came out years ago to check us out, the ice cream bands before, right. so he, he knows all about it. Knows all about it, and uh, come here, uh, what's the plan of attack? Well, we see when we get in there. <laughs> I can't give secrets to it. Oh, okay, well, we'll have the video recorder already. Listen, God, those trailers, nine one of them. Well, come here, 12 inches is the, is the right. Do you think you can beat 12 inches? Well, it's over 35 years since I last done it, so we'll have a go at it. We'll see. And has ice cream changed much in the meantime? Have 99s gotten better or worse, do you think, in the meantime? Oh, they've gone way better. Way, way better? Oh, better. Yeah, so, yeah. The quality is, is, is better. Like, CMP ice cream used to be lovely before. Um, my ice cream used to be lovely before, yeah. but then it all changed when they all went with all cheap ice cream, but now it's all getting way, way better. Way better. Way better. Oh, so we're in the golden generation, age nine, so? Yes. Yes. <laughs> now no, you're talking. Michelle. And Michelle, how'd you get on? Bad. <laughs> I had the baby in my hand, though, so I uh, had to differently put up my head. Pulling an ice cream with a baby in your hand yeah. is no mean feat, huh? <laughs> no, no. And then she started whinging. Oh, but she was, was she have a bit of, uh, bit of ice cream there now to yeah. keep her happy? Yeah, it's small, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. Come here, was it easier or harder than you thought it was going to be? Harder. Why? Because I had a baby in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> I like challenges, I do it one without her as well. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, but, no, uh, but did it come out quicker than you expected? Yes, way quicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Just trying yeah, to control yeah. it then at that point. That's it, yeah. the, and with the one hand. So. Yeah. And uh, is the ice cream nice? I did taste it, yes. Oh, can we go to the taste one? Tell us what it's like. 
Absolutely beautiful. There you go. There you go. Gorgeous. Thanks so much. Well done. Oh, I'm going to have to grab you for a chat. What's your own name? Neil. Neil. Neil, that is a fine looking 99. It might be the biggest I've seen all day, but it's definitely the most aesthetically pleasing in fairness. You have previous experience doing this? Yeah, in Super Rally. Did you tell us this beforehand? No. No, no I just thought you'd keep it quiet. And are you a big fan of 99s? I am, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is it the best? Is it like, would you prefer a 99 now or like an Italian gelato? Yeah. So we were just talking to Neve there, right? And Neve's like a, a, an expert in 99s. Yours is look, I, look, it's actually not that bad. Let's be honest. It's it's very edible. It's not the worst I said of all today. No. And come here, um, was it harder or easier than you thought it was going to be? A bit easier, I don't know what, it's my first time pulling a 99, yeah. so... Did it, it come out quicker than you did? Uh, yeah, Neil gave me a few tips beforehand. Ah, uh, there you go, the knowledge is yeah. knowledge shared. And, um, Khmer, are you a big fan of 99s? Yeah, I love yeah. a summer 99. That's it, brilliant. What are your names? Alton. Alton. And Rob. Rob. So, Alton, how'd you get on? Shocking. <laughs> did, you, did you get any record at all? No, no, no. Uh, a bit, a bit. Yeah, and then it just collapsed on itself, yeah. did it? Yeah. <laughs> Was it easier or harder than you thought it was going to be? Way harder. Really? Yeah, they make it look easy. It's and what's the hardest thing about it? Uh, controlling it. Mm. Like sometimes it'll come out too fast, sometimes it'll be too slow. And first time ever putting an 89? Yeah. So you don't think you'll be opening up an ice cream van anytime soon? Oh. No, no. <laughs> Rob, um, you were flying and... Yeah. Oh, it just dropped my heart. Sank when it dropped. I was like, oh God. Is there a thing you pulled it out the whole place? It was going, oh! <laughs> <laughs> ah, look, it's very, very hard to be fair. Yeah. Do you know, it's about, that, it's about controlling it and trying to, but it was just, ah, look, it is what it is really, isn't it? Have you a newfound appreciation for the ice cream man? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And as I see the hoodies, uh, yeah. bow rugby players as well. Yeah. Is this going to be kind of amalgamated into the diet? Are you in pre-season now? Like, are you allowed 99s? No. Alton? <laughs> no. no. We're starting back couple of weeks so you know just trying to keep him going moving like you know yeah. so yeah, yeah. enjoying the late nights yeah. yeah. before we get back into he'll, he'll pay for a couple of weeks yeah. <laughs> super stuff and then congratulations to Kelly who pulled an incredible 13 inch ice cream that's just the ice cream does not include the cone it was an amazing thing to stand there watching her do it. She had confidence and she just concentrated and just pulled it off. 13 inches of it. Well done. Fair play to you. A fantastic achievement. What a great day yesterday. Everybody in great form. And a big congratulations to Kelly. A 13-inch ice cream cone. I wasn't going to rest until we beat 12 up in the County Meath. So, job done. Um, listen, text 0868104106 for all of the business. You know that we've been giving away passes all week long. Uh, courtesy of um, all of the different companies and organizations and groups, including Cork City Council and Cork County Council for all the various tourist attractions all over the county. So you can take your tribe away uh, for a day. I'm not going to give out the entire list this morning, but uh, certainly some of the ones that we've given away recently include Spike Island, UCC, Photo Wildlife Park, Cork City Jail, Zip It and Farn Woods, West Cork Secret, Clonakilty Black Pudding Visitor Centre, the Shandon Bells, Cork Harbour Boat Tour. Sorry, I should say Cork Harbour Boat Hire. You get your own self-drive uh, boat tour. 
you head down the Lee or you do it off Cove or whatever the case may be. So that's just a selection. Uh, and today is no exception. So I have more passes to give away this morning. Um, and I want to feature some of the different tourist attractions as well over the days. And this morning, I just want to spend four or five minutes chatting with Jamie Murphy, who's down at Michael Collins House. Very important year, actually, for those uh, that are fans or follow the life and times of the great man, because this is the 100th anniversary of his death, of his killing, of his assassination. Uh, and Jamie joins me by phone. Michael, good mo- or Jamie, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? So Thanks Mi- for having me on. You're welcome. So Michael Collins House, Clonakilty, a museum dedicated to the big fella, right? That's it. That's it. Exactly. So I suppose what we look at down in the museum is Michael Collins' life story. So everything from when he was a small little boy knocking around Clonakilty all the way up to, I suppose, the part that people know about and that the Irish War of Independence, the Civil War, and obviously his death at Bail of Law as well. Yeah. Imagine this year's commemoration at Bail of Law will be a very significant one, won't it? It will. A uh, hundred years this year, it's, it's going to be a huge event. Um, they, they, there's the actual um, commemoration at Bail of Law itself, which has taken place on um, Sunday the 21st. So it's actually the day before the, the, the commemoration itself. Um, so that's that's happening at 3pm at Bail of Law. And obviously Bail of Law itself is getting a little bit of a makeover there at the moment as well. I know. Um, but in, in the week previous to that then from the 14th of um, August all the way up to the 22nd there's a huge range of events taking place in Clonakilty town itself and um, so that's kind of everything from parades to outdoor cinema events um, to you know history talks tours walking tours all that and we have that to look forward to chatting about maybe some more yeah. in August but but for now for instance if I walk through Michael Collins house in Clonakilty in Emmett Square I haven't been there incidentally so I'd love to come down and have a look what, what will I see when I walk through the front door so the, the first thing you'll see is Michael Collins when you walk through the door. We have a, a, a large bust. <laughs> a large bust to Michael Collins welcomes you when you come in through the door. And, and a couple of smiling faces as well from the, 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 the staff there at reception. So the way that you do the tour, there's there's two different options of how you can do it. You can do it self-guided by yourself. You can go around the house and kind of explore um, with a, with an audio guide and um, kind of read the, the boards and all the audio visuals and kind of play around with a few different things there. Um, okay, so it's Interactive then, audio, visual, yeah, and interactive. Yeah, exactly. Any exactly. artifacts so, there, I wonder? Huge amount of artifacts belong to Collins and, and we're kind of adding, constantly adding to it as well. Actually, as we speak, I'm actually outside the National Museum here in Dublin, so, we are, so we're, we're picking up another quite important artifact here today to bring down to display, particularly for the, for the centenary commemoration as well. Right. So Is that a secret? Michael Collins. Uh, it's not no. I I I let you be the, the first one to hear about it, Neil. It's actually it's Michael Collins' death mask. So it's a, a copy of Michael Collins' death mask. So it is um, something that after Collins was killed um, and he was embalmed, it was kind of practice of the day for important figures to take a death mask. Yeah. And um, so we're we're getting a copy of that for the museum there. So we are. Wow. Um, from the National Museum. So we've been working with the National Museum over the past probably twelve months or more, and um, trying to kind of make this possible. And what's so, your foot? fall like you know from say Irish people or people imagine do you get people from overseas we do we do and um, now the large majority of visitors are from Ireland so the kind of about 60-65% of our visitors are from Ireland and then overseas so you have a lot of people who actually have Irish heritage 
from overseas that have heard of Michael Collins, have seen the Michael Collins movie, and they're they're visiting the museum. So by and large, it's actually it's British people is is the large overseas um, contingent that are coming, and then American tourists after that. Then as well, it's just such an amazing story, you know. Was Collins thrown under a bus by Dev, and you know everything that came after it? It's just astonishing. Um, you got you got a refit, didn't you? I mean, it's like when you go into the museum. It's it's of the period and of the time, is it? In in the sense, the decor has changed. Yeah, well, I suppose the the, the museum itself we opened in twenty sixteen, and um, so we're we're in our sixth year now. And um, when you kind of come into the watch, actually, where you come in is actually at the, the rear of the building, um, and you're kind of coming into a, a modern reception area. But then you step through the door into an old Georgian house, um, and, and it's decor- decorated as such as well as how it would have looked at That's Georgian incredible. time. And the museum is kind of based around that as well. So it is. That's amazing. Uh, but there, there's a little bit for everybody there, you know. So what our main aim is kind of accessibility. We want anybody who walks through the door, from people who have never heard of Mike Collins before, from five year olds all the way up to eighty year olds and people who are I suppose well versed in the history of the time that they, everybody will get something out of it you know and um, so I, I suppose that's the way the museum is set up that, that it'll be engaging and everybody will get something out of it. I'm going to give away some family passes is that okay with you yes. and thank you for them we got five family passes to give away and each pass would be like two adults two children one adult three children that kind of thing whatever Exactly, yeah. A family is a family. We we don't have any restrictions on how many children you have. That's, well that's up said. to you. <laughs> oh, a real family man yourself, Jamie Murphy. Fair play to you, boy. Fair play. Okay, so happy to give those away. If people want further information on Michael Collins' house, I guess you've got a website or maybe Facebook, Instagram? We do. Yeah, we're, we're very active on all the social media and that. So, uh, Michael Collins House, you'll find us on Instagram, on um, Facebook, on Twitter. Our website is michaelcollinshouse.ie and you can book your tickets and that online there as well. You. You're a great ambassador for the house. Well said. Thank you for that in regards to all the museum. Safe trip back to West Cork. Mind yourself. Cheers, Thank Jamie. Thank you very much. Jamie bye, Murphy bye. from Michael Collins House in Clonakilty. Get darling for those. Pick up the phone 0818 104 106. No limit on the amount of the family. <laughs> I mean, there is well, within reason now, that is. Uh, and you can head on down there. And next week, we'll do a whole clatter load of other tourist attraction giveaways and shout outs and chats. But the last bit of business, and my apologies for not getting to uh, a lot of stuff that I had planned today. Monday, we'll deal, we'll deal with uh, lots more on air. But the final bit of business this morning is our free Food Friday winners for this week, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters Piri Piri, Douglas and Back Blackpool Retail Park. Do I have Michelle on the phone? Michelle! Hello, how are you? Good, where are you? We're in Kilsarn and Oven. You're in the quarry, are you? I'm in the quarry, yeah. Are you working out in the quarry or inside in an office? So where are you? You're driving a big digger. I was driving the loader a while ago, but I, I usually do office work. So right. I do a bit of everything. So how many of you are there? There's a good uh, six or seven of us anyway. Oh my so God, you're going... We're only three at the moment. There's only three of you? This fee's about That's 15 or 20 people. Oh, yeah, but we'll grab, we'll grab the lorry drivers and everything at one o'clock. I know, you need to get everybody back onto the quarry site for feeding this yeah. lunchtime, right? Because this is a big feed yeah. of food, all right? Yeah, no bother, even. Thanks for listening. Thanks for texting. Thanks. You've been texting for an age. Delighted for you. Congratulations. Cheers, thank you. What are you quarrying there, is it? Hey, there's an awful lot more than three people there. <laughs> what are you quarrying for? Gold? Diamonds? Yeah. Air, sand. Sand. 
There's no gold. There's no gold down Ovens Way in the mountains or streams, no. <laughs> No, no. All right, well, sand we'll have to do. Congratulations. You won't be eating sand this lunchtime. Roosters, Piri Piri. Give us a big shout. <laughs> well done, guys. Enjoy it. Kelsaran Quarry and Ovens, this week's winners. Our lines will stay open. You can text 0868104106. Got a story to share. And I love people who shared stories. We had a good morning of stories this morning. You can always email neil at redfm.ie. Have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcast.